And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. Color. That's right. It's the Hagman Report for today. It is Monday, March 26, 2018. Two days to go. Two days to go before uh, my son Joe's 35th birthday. Now I don't feel old. I had him when I was 10. Okay. So um, actually, he's adopted. The DNA test is not exactly um, in yet. Uh, you know what's sad uh, about that is I remember when my mom, 35 and 40 year old birthdays, we would give her over the hill birthday cards and make fun of her. And now we can make fun of you. Now here we are. Yeah. So anyway, no, it, I'll tell you what. It's uh, it's it's great to be back on video. I think we're on video. I'm not seeing anything on the monitor. Are we on video? All right. Eric is working his butt off over here. But it's good to be back on video. We had a throwback week last week, of course, if you tuned in. And, of course, that was for hardening our assets. And, yeah, go ahead. Insert the jokes. Go ahead. Go ahead. But, no, seriously, we, we have we have done some things. Thanks to Eric the Tech, John the Producer, and, of course, our team of technicians, our team of uh, lawyers, our team of auditors, our team of dedicated personnel, actually. Uh, doing a team of Russian bots. Yeah, our teams of our hello comrades. Um, but nonetheless, we're we're back. And again, thank you so very much for your for your belief and your patience. Now, uh, this weekend we saw a lot of news. We saw a lot of things happen. We saw the anti Second Amendment march, which of course, yeah, just take your time, all right? But we saw the anti Second Amendment march. Uh, nothing more, nothing less. That's exactly what it was. It was a, a march against the Second Amendment, but it was more than that. It was a march against the First Amendment as well. I watched a, a good video that uh, done by Owen Schroyer from Infowars. It's interesting because he was in downtown Austin, and you remember that woman. And uh, if you haven't seen it yet, it's 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 an hour and some odd minutes, or almost two hours actually. Uh, you remember that woman uh, in previous uh, marches? Where she would make uh, these objectionable noises with her, with her, it was like a she had a whistle, and it was like a, a whoopee cushion whistle, and she would. Uh, I'm trying not to be gross here, and, and, and because I, I detest any kind of conversation about bodily functions, but she was attempting to uh, drown out Owen Troyer at the last. I think it was at the Women's March. Well, she was back, and she was saying to anyone that Owen Troyer would attempt to uh, interview that. We're not talking to you. They're the opposition. So the reason I brought this up is when you look at what is taking place out there right now, you're looking at an attack, obviously, an overt attack on the Second Amendment, and that is they don't want to take, they don't want reasonable gun control measures. Don't Hogg and others do not want reasonable gun control measures. They want to take your guns. They want to confiscate all of your guns. They don't want you to own anything short of a single-action musket. And that even, you better pass a background check. They want to take your guns. But the unique thing here, and I think that something that's not being, or it's being underreported, is the fact that not only do they want to take your guns, 
They want you to fall into line with their thought, their ideology, and that is consistent with a pro-Stalinist, Marxist, fascist ideology. They call Donald Trump a fascist. They call us fascists, when in fact they are the fascists. And when you look at the crowd, half the people there, I would venture to say, were marching for any number of things, including the anti-Second Amendment ban. But more importantly, they were marching for um, basically uh, anything that would take Donald Trump down and take our nation down from being a nation, uh, the United States of America, into this subjugated, uh, red-headed stepchild of nations, into a globalist kind of um, uh, utopia, communist utopia, to, to coin the phrase of. Uh, a number of authors, including David Capellian, who's written some books, and uh, but but nonetheless, this is what we saw. And then, if you missed that, if you were bored by that, you can always tune into 60 Minutes, the 26 minutes of of yeah Anderson Cooper talking about Stormy Daniel or talking to Stormy Daniels about the affair between alleged affair between uh, Stormy Daniels and Donald Trump. And then, of course, flashback. You've got. Uh, or not flashback, but also in addition to that, you also have uh, the other woman coming out, McDougal coming out, uh, also talking about a relationship between her and Donald Trump. Now, mind you, both of these alleged affairs are consensual. Now, why did I even bring this up? Very quickly and very briefly. Well, Joe gets ready and give him a give him a minute or two. Yeah, but, but yeah. Well, why am I bringing this up? When you look back at the mainstream media. Remember, the mainstream media deemed the Clinton-Lewinsky affair nothing more than consensual sex. And therefore, why even give any airtime to it? Why even give any oxygen to it if it was deemed consensual sex? Well, that, that's true to an extent, uh, but that wasn't on. the issue. That's not, he uh, wasn't impeached over the... You, you, let me, just let me make okay. my point here and then, and then you can weigh okay. in here. Uh, is it only about sex? Wrote the New York Times back in August of 1998. Maybe it is about sex, wrote Slate that very same month. High crimes, question mark, or just a sex cover-up, Time magazine wrote that was in September of 1998. Go back in history and look at the coverage now. That that was the talk back then after Bill Clinton, 50 at the time, was accused of having sex with a 22-year-old White House intern, often in the oral, I mean Oval Office. Hate when I do that. Oral office, oval, oval office. Now, Clinton vehemently denied. Remember his crooked finger being shaken in your face, and I don't like that either. You, st- you start pointing a finger in my face. Number one, it better be loaded, or, or just don't do that. Uh, anyway, he, he said, you know, I want you to listen to me, and I'm quoting f- from this this uh, vehement denial. I want you to listen to me. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Ms. Lewinsky. I never told a single person to lie. Not a single time. Never. Now, I can't do impressions, obviously, as you just heard. Before the whole mess unraveled, Clinton also said, It's time to stop the pursuit of personal destruction and the pry- and prying into private lives and get on with our national life. Now, oh, he did have sex with Monica Lewinsky. It wants to dare I say it, to completion. Enter the blue dress from the Gap and uh, DNA, of course, presidential DNA. 
I'm sorry. They don't take, have take their kids out of the room. Dressed yeah. in the Clinton Presidential Library, do they? Uh, no, it's in the uh, Obama Presidential Library only as a reference for what heterosexual sex looks like. Now, did, uh, <laughs> not to go too far, did you yeah. see the articles about Larry Sinclair being up in arms? He was so angry about the coverage Stormy Daniels was receiving because when he made his claims, he was ignored. And those are the claims about uh, Obama and uh, Pastor or Jeremiah Wright in the church in Chicago. And he was on our show. And there was a, a few pieces on the Daily Caller and uh, Real Clear Politics had one that detailed his anger about the coverage Stormy Daniels has gotten and calls called out the uh, Hippocratic nature of the news. Now, obviously, he had no proof. Okay. No, Larry, let me thing, tell you something. But, yeah. I, I spoke with you and I. Well, I spoke with Larry Sinclair off air a couple of times. And he, he told me more... I, there was more information that he had that he did not give out during the interviews. And, of course, he wrote a book that was, I think it was self-published, wasn't it? When, uh, I don't remember. I, I've got I believe him, though. I do believe him. Okay. I, I don't know if World Night Daily helped him with that or if he... Uh, but, okay, so that, that that was doing coke um, and, and oral sex in the back of a limousine, male-to-male homosexual sex, the allegations of homosexual sex by Larry Sinclair on Barack Obama, and most known as Barry Sotaro in Chicago. Is the people connected with Sinclair, Obama, and Wright in the church, who were all part of this choir and this down-low club, three of them ended up being executed, which is days around the inauguration, I believe it was? Well, Very strange yeah, circumstances. Yeah, you had you had a number of, of people. Now, yes, yes, and uh, they were singing soprano, but um, at least that's my understanding of it. All right, so let's just look at this. And, and is Stormy Daniels or McDougal important? No, it's not. Except in the context of the attempt to destroy President Donald Trump. Now, if you, if you look at how things are going, and, and Joe, feel free to jump in here because th- this is th- th- what we're watching right now is a battle on numerous fronts. All right. You've got the progressive leftist fascists, the globalists, including the rhinos. As many people know them as rhinos, Republicans in name only. There's no Republican. There's a uniparty. They're worse than the Democrats because right. at least the Democrats are identifiable through their own party affiliation. Exactly. So, and, and consider what a difference of a few years make, just considering uh, uh, Clinton versus, versus Donald Trump. Now, again, the... It stops there because Bubba Clinton, what was that on Die Hard? Hey, Booby, the guy that got <laughs> shot by Hans. Mm-hmm. Hey, Booby, wasn't wasn't he saying that oh. at the table? Come on, I'm a deal maker. You know, you tried to save I the can't day. Remember. Kaboom! It was kind of one time people actually clapped in the theater for anyway. Um, <laughs> Bill Clinton was a predator and is a sexual predator in my opinion. Again, couching this, see opinions. And that's um, aside from Monica Lewinsky. Uh, aside from Lewinsky, because you've got, you've got Juanita Broderick, you've got Paula Jones, you've got Jennifer Flowers. Uh, again, that was not, but, but Juanita Broderick and Paula Jones. And, and look at the hypocrisy by the progressive left. But, but that's just one thing to consider. But here's where the story exists in my view. The attempt here is for the liberal fascists 
to open up numerous battlefronts because we see this right here, right now. We are undergoing the same thing. They'll, they'll hit you over in the left flank and hit you over in the right flank and then hit you over here and then five or six, you know, it's like, it's, it's a con, they'll open numerous battlefronts and you're surrounded. So what do you do? You, you, you take out, you take out at least one. One is going, look, one, I, I, maybe I can't take out all ten, but I, I guarantee you, one's going down with me. All right. And going down hard. And that's kind of the, a, a lesson in, uh, the martial arts jujitsu kind of thing, but and then using their, their, uh, their power, uh, in your favor. But this whole thing is about the optics. It's about convincing the urbanites. I think I've got this almost figured out. Convincing those people living in the big cities that Donald Trump, number one, is stupid. Number two, he's a pervert. Number three, he doesn't keep his promises to his base. They're going after the support of his base. Omnibus bill. Put that, hold that thought because that's part of it too. And they're also attempting to ensnare him. And this is the key to Stormy Daniels and McDougal. They want to ensnare him in a perjury trap. They want him to respond to these allegations. And they want to ask him about these allegations. There, remember what Valerie Jarrett said? Payback time. Payback is a, you know, biatch, right? That's what they're doing. The, the intent here is to get rid of Donald Trump by any and all means necessary. And this is part of their plan. So you may say, well, that eh, just, uh, sorry, at 20, it doesn't matter. Anderson Cooper, 60 minutes, every day, it doesn't matter. It's a distraction. No, they're yeah, trying everything. Yeah, it, it is a distraction, but that's part of the plan. They're trying everything that, that, got previous presidents impeached and in trouble they're trying i mean and it's unbelievable and and what you just said is something uh i didn't tell you this but i was writing an article on the tariffs and i'm up to 1500 words which is way too much for this article it's kind of like a wanted to do a little snippet and ended up researching a you know 10 times more than i needed but we talk right along these same lines about how everything has changed after the uh, President Trump won the Republican nomination from the political landscape to the media. And I go on to point out some of these changes, like the tax plan uh, cited with sources and how uh, when you know, the news about Trump's tax plan came out, uh, we saw stories like this. Everybody hates Trump's tax plan. And then they attacked him for it. And, uh, so are you referencing be... the, the recent $1.3 trillion omnibus bill? No, but this is, it ties You're talking that. about, okay, so the initial part. Right. Okay, all right. So that came out. Everybody attacked him. The headline on New York Times was, Everybody Hates Trump's Tax Plan. Now, these are the tactics they use. It doesn't matter what he does, good or bad. They're going to uh, have that approach, the media and, and political establishment. Right. But we look back now and we see that the majority of Americans, as well as businesses and business owners, are happy with the, ta- the tax plan and have also seen tangible increases in their pay with a reduction in taxes. But you don't see this when the uh, irrationality rules the day, I write. But it goes on from there to describe this, uh, how the power structure in the media and the political establishment has changed since Trump has taken power. And I don't know that it can ever go back to the way it was. It's not going to. And that's, see, this is why as distasteful as this is, Stormy Daniels, as distasteful as the allegations of consensual sex outside of marriage, 
And as salacious as the claims are, again, I'm getting to your tax plan in a second, or the tax plan, this is a uh, an assured destructive path that they want to take everyone down. Okay, now, we, obviously, it is not gaining traction. We understand that. But you've got to recognize, if nothing else, it, it, it may not matter to you. It may not be gaining any traction. It doesn't mean, so like on the football field, when the opposing team makes a play and then another play, you look at you look at how they lined up and you look at the play that they made, you analyze each play. Even if it's a bad play, what are they trying to do? What are they thinking? You analyze the enemy's tactics. And this is what we're doing here. Now, you, what you said about the tax plan, very well stated. When you look at how CNBC, MSNBC, NBC, CBS, and all of the networks are covering or have covered from day one where we all got a some tax relief in our paychecks to today or Friday when the when he failed to veto the omnibus bill, everyone is taking him on about his tax plan. And Again, the trade wars too. Yeah, the trade tied that that into the, there, and, and that's that's a very well very good to tie that in. But here's the here's the thing with respect to the uh, omnibus bill and the uh, what would happen last week, because I was angry, and I know you were too. If oh, you're yeah. honest, right? Yourself, right? So. Okay. Here's what I, I this weekend I started. I happened to, my wife said something to me. It was Friday night after the show. And she said, well, something about uh, the, she said something saying the budget was, uh, he uh, didn't veto the budget. And, and it clicked. I thought, wait a minute, she's using the word budget. And and the, over here, it's the omnibus bill. What's the difference? So then I started doing the research on omnibus and the federal budget. And I'm I'm starting to read it, and my eyes are bleeding. You know, two thousand two hundred thirty-two pages with the omnibus bill itself. I downloaded it, and I'm going through it, and then I'm I'm looking at the appropriation of money. But here's the weird part: it didn't say federal budget, so it's not a federal budget. So it could twenty-two hundred thirty-two pages of a bill that no one read, that was signed by by the president. That what's the what's the big thing here? Well, the big thing. And again, I got to thank my wife for this. Is is that is that the, the the big thing was, it's not a federal budget, so it's outside of what is constitutionally, it's outside of the constitutional framework for funding the government. So, uh, you got to turn your mic on. Is that the reason President Trump mentioned the line item veto during his uh, conference well, of the signing? I, okay, uh, look, I think I think what President Trump said is what just. What he said. I don't think there. I don't think there's any big deal 3D chess going on. I think no, it's just no. one of these things that. But I think that that somebody in in the in the team, in the Donald Trump team, said, "Hey, guess what? We have an omnibus bill. This is this is not a federal budget. So, you know, hey, nudge, nudge. Guess what you can do? You can slow walk certain things. In other words, the uh, the various appropriations of funding within this omnibus bill." You could perhaps slow walk, well, I'll just pick one, money for Planned Parenthood. You might want to just kind of like not sign that check, put it, you know, put the check in the envelope and, and, and mail it to, uh, uh, mail it to, you know, the, the, the bridge, the fund for the bridge, uh, the pork, uh, spending bridge fund over here. You know how we do with our gas and electric checks and 
Whoops, I forgot to seal the envelope. The check must have fallen out. Forgot to sign the check. Oh, gee whiz. Yeah, you're bu- you know, you're buying time. I don't think Donald Trump planned it that way, but I think what he was keyed on, keyed on in this is refunding the military only because the omnibus bill, uh, 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 refunds the military because Obama took the military down to post World War II levels. Think about this. He saw what he wanted in this bill. He hated everything else, but signed it for the military funding. But then, and I, I don't think I don't think the knowledge was there, but I think it, it might have been there after the fact. When he saw the backlash by his base, when he saw Laura Ingram's head explode and Jeannie's uh, head explode, and all these conservatives, they're just going off the rails, and so are we, and you know, kicking and throwing things. He, somebody may, might have said, "Hey, hey, Don, guess what? Do you know what Obama did in his various omnibus bills? He realized that the, these appropriations, these dollar appropriations, were mere suggestions." So I spent this weekend looking in part, looking at the, at the funds distribution of the 20, 20, uh, 15, 2014, 2013, and 2011. I believe that is omnibus bills. Okay, so you're Andre, saying, okay, he wouldn't have to, he wouldn't need the line item veto that I referenced. He would only just need to not he, fulfill the. Yeah. Okay. Because what Obama did, was he held some of the money back, you know, whether he said, yeah, well, the check's in the mail. Yeah. Boy, I opened myself up there, right? Um, no, stop it now, Eric. Don't, check's in the mail. Yeah, I know. The check's not in your mouth. No, um, stop it. Um, he, so by the way, by the way, he's, he's getting a mic and uh, he's going to be on air. Okay. So. At least once in, once a show, he's gonna to have to chime in with at least a, a sentence, a phrase, a hello. Right. You're gonna to have to get the hang of, of jumping in there. Oh, he, no, no, he's got a, I'm gonna tell you, he's got a following, you gotta see the mail that comes to the office. I mean, lipstick cards, you know, uh, uh, a couple of guys even, anyway. Some boxer shorts. <laughs> yeah. I got a, a funny story. My, my, uh, uh, my wife's parent i mean my wife's parents uh i mean they, they were like 70 or 60 years old um this is before her mom passed i was 60 some years old and it's right when the internet first came out and actually my her stepfather bought a present for the missus for his wife for my wife's mother and he wanted to buy lingerie, right? I mean, uh, uh, nothing, nothing radical, risque, or whatever. All right, it was just uh, it'd be kind of like going on to Macy's or Penny's and like a nightgown type thing. Well, he what he ended up getting was, believe me, nothing like he ordered. But and, more, more risque. Oh, well, risque and used. Okay, okay. used. <laughs> and apparently, apparently, you know, what did he know? And what do I know? There's a market for that. Uh, for used, yeah, lingerie. yeah. So like a woman wore. But see, he once. didn't look it over real carefully, and he wrapped it up. So Christmas morning, oh, it was an awkward Christmas morning. We're talking like 1998 or something like that. It was Wait, just so, a long time ago. I know we don't need to spend a lot of time into this. It's not like eBay was around where people so- sell you know used lingerie for for yeah, fetish uh, purposes. So look, all I know is he took the box from her. Okay, 
and he went in the garage. I, I never saw the box again. His face was red for two days. Hers was like she just that she was just you know stunned, and um, I, I had to like calm him down. And, and anyway, we, we got it fixed. But but anyway, I don't even know how we got off on that. But again, the, the innocence. And you think, uh, all right. So, but this budget bill or this omnibus bill. It's not a federal budget. And so I was talking about that on my show this morning. And thank you, Roy, and thank you, Karen. My goodness, you guys are, like, right on the money. Uh, sent me emails and saying, you know, Tracy Beans was talking about this. And Justina Sandman was talking about this. Okay. And, yeah, I, I know. It came, Joe just said. It came from, it, it apparently came from Q. or something. But, yeah. okay, but if, but, I, but I, look, mine didn't. I was just—it was my wife. She said, "How come it's not called the? How come this isn't being right? What's omnibus as opposed to budget?" Well, apparently, this is what they do when they can't, don't have time, or they—and this is a short answer when they miss the boat on, on the budget. So, looking back in, in the historical aspects of Obama's regime, Donald Trump could perhaps copy what he did. Yeah, Obama didn't pass the budget in eight years. Okay, right. And the government was funded. So, again, I don't believe this was his intent, and I think everyone's head's exploding out there on the media. I think it's righteous. I think it's righteous anger. But don't throw him under the bus right now. He didn't have to sign it. No, but he was put in a tough spot. He shouldn't have signed it. But see... So who do you blame? Do you blame Donald Congress. Trump? Yes. Do you but, blame yeah, President? I, too? I blame I blame Paul Ryan, that weasel, I, and McConnell, that weasel, and every one of the five. I'll tell you what. Delete 535 items in your inbox. The 535 of those weasels. These are the in, same. In the congressmen. The, the same Congress. politicians who voted from the 2014 to 2016 uh, term 72 times to repeal Obamacare. Yeah. And then how many times have they voted on it since they got the majority back? None. Right. So, look, I was angry at Donald Trump, but I'll tell you something. Uh, he's he's our, right now, inside government and the executive branch. He's our only chance, so we can't, we have to, rather than just say he's, you know, the Antichrist, he's Satan, he's this, he's, look, he's our only chance right now. Well, are you going to go with Hillary? Are you going to go with Paul Ryan? Out of this group, you play the cards you're dealt. Folks, we're going to be right back. You're listening to the Hagman Report. It is Monday. It's a manic Monday, the 26th day of March. And right back. Very big thank you goes to each and every one of you. Thank you so much for your support. Thanks so much for your belief and your trust in us. Thanks for tuning in every night, 7 to 10, right here on Blog Talk Radio, Global Star. That's where you're watching the feed. Go to HagmanReport.com, bookmark Hagman Report. Got a favor to ask you. Please subscribe to our YouTube feed. We're riding the beast, as Eric the Tech says, riding the beast until the very end. But you know you're being unsubscribed. You got to you got to ring the bell, whatever that means. Um, and you gotta, if you're on yeah. Blog Talk, subscribe yes, to subscribe, our Blog Talk. Please, 
please. Okay, it, it elevates our, our stats in, in such a way, it actually makes them more concise. Uh, that way we can also, uh, look at the demographics and, and use them to, we can, we can cultivate shows for our listening base. And, and that's important to do. Uh, coming up here shortly is going to be Laura Loomer. Before I get into, uh, before we get with Laura Loomer, just a thumbs up when she's ready. Again, a thanks to everyone and make sure you tune into our shows respectively nine o'clock every, every morning. Um, that's Monday through Friday, except when they're, when they don't happen for reasons. Last week it was a number of reasons. Uh, I, I missed a show and today, uh, Joe and John did not do their daily show, but we're, we should be back. I, I did my show this morning. We'll be back up and running yeah. tomorrow. That was so my fault. We're going to have a full team tomorrow. Uh, but again, Hagman Report, or Doug Hagman Radio Show, that's, uh, uh, 9 to 10 Eastern Time, Global Star, and Blog Talk Radio only, as well as Daily Show 2 to 3. That's, uh, Blog Talk and Global Star Radio only, not on YouTube. And that'll be, uh, I did my show today. They did not. Now it's going to be full force tomorrow. And I thank you for your, 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 um, patience because I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what we did. And this is for those people tuning in today who missed all of last week. We had audio only. We were hardening up our systems. We realized that the days are numbered, that the time is short before they pull the plug. I'm going to tell you right now, we ain't going anywhere. There's no one that is going to take us off the air. They're trying, but they're not going to succeed. Our voice, we will not be silenced. And, you know, I saw Scooter had Scooter in the, in the chat. I just happened to see this flash by. Uh, I don't know if I can bring this back up or not. It said something pretty profound. Uh, let me see if I can find it. It was, it was about, uh, uh, we have to seize the dialogue. It was about, it was about seizing the framing the, the dialogue. You see, for too long, the conservatives, the Christian conservatives, the moral uh, conservatives, the political conservatives were allowing the progressive fascist left to frame the debate. Ain't happening no more. And I'm sorry about my, it's, it will not happen anymore. Okay. We will frame the debate. We will, um, no, in addition to riding the beast, as Eric the Tech says, we, it is our talking points. It is our narrative. And we don't have to play by their rules because they certainly don't have to play by ours. So new game, new game, new mandate, new everything. And no one is going to, uh, gag us. Did you hear me? There will be no gagging of the Hagman report. Ever. There will be no gagging of Steve Quayle. Ever. There will be no gagging of anyone who is bringing forth the truth, despite the unpleasantries associated with things like Pizzagate. The, quote, debunked, discredited conspiracy theory of Pizzagate, Pedogate. Really, according to whose source and reference material. Having said that, I'm going to kick it over to Joe. Thanks, Joe, for letting me just mouth off there. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and it's so amazing in today's world that we live in that facts are no longer taken as such. It's more of a, a healthy suggestion, if you will, uh, as facts are not important. And you mentioned the March for Our Lives that happened over the weekend. The face of that march, David Hogg, the, uh, you know, media golden boy of this year said a number of interesting things that well if you heard them probably rubbed you the wrong way i don't have the direct quotes in front of me but he made statements along the lines of if you support the nra you support the death of american citizens if you support the second amendment 
you support the death of American citizens. And he said he was not going to rest until every Ameri- until there was no more guns in America, and every American could feel safe once those guns are banned. I'm going to tell you, a gun in every American hand, every sane American over the, well, it, look, it doesn't matter. Agent, if, if you are proficient in the handling of firearms, you should be able to be armed and carry that armed with you to defend yourself and your family. That is my view. Yeah. And, and, and those people, he, he's, he's swearing, you know, uh, calling people names, hog? saying they're, yeah. And then if you, you know, if yeah, you call yeah. them out on YouTube, you get banned for bullying. Okay, but uh, he can uh, say whatever you want. Okay. All the belligerent men. Uh, now I'm I'm getting riled <laughs> up here. Okay, because I'll join the club. Uh, all right. Uh, okay. Do these people not not study history? Oh yeah, I think that's why they do it because they know that goal they they're know? working towards, which it, history it, shows that you take these steps and this is the outcome. Complete subjugation of populations in the 21st or 20th century. We saw how many millions perished, murdered, executed at the hands of fascists. And they, or we are not the fascists. They are the fascists. Learn history. Pol Pot, uh, Stalin, uh, Hitler, of course, with the Jews. My goodness. Yeah. Gun, uh, gun registration leads to gun control, leads to gun confiscation, and then, but see, they're not after just your guns. No, and we have they're Laura, after you. Laura Loomer with us, and last week, I don't know if you saw this in the UK, to a, to a recent increase in stabbing deaths, they were calling for a ban on knives in the UK, and they were doing marches and whatnot uh, to, to urge people to not own knives. So next, maybe they will make them illegal, except for, you know, butcher shops and whatnot. But we have with us uh, investigative reporter Laura Loomer. She is a, a frequent guest of the show, and she has uh, been an investigative journalist on the front lines through stories like the Las Vegas massacre, like the Parkland shooting, and so much more. And we're so happy to bring her back on as she has some more information on the uh, Parkland, Florida shooting and the Broward County Sheriff's Office as something happened that we didn't even report on here last week. A woman drove a car full of propane tanks through the sheriff's office and tried to light herself on fire or did light herself on fire and she was put out and nobody else was injured thankfully she was put out she was put out she was uh, all right laura we gotta ask where you were that night <laughs> it wasn't me <laughs> yeah i know uh, I did go to the Broward Sheriff's Office late at night, but not that night. Okay. It, it's really not, you didn't there's drive. There's so much information. There's so many, uh, things that just go unreported and un, you know, undocumented in the media, things that deserve more significance, but they don't because the narratives, of course, don't fit the mainstream media narrative. So you have a woman, of course, who crashes into the Broward Sheriff's Office and the Broward Sheriff's Office is currently at, you know, it's, it's one of the, Leading, leading, uh, topics in all of the mainstream media coverage recently because of March for Our Lives and Parkland. And then this woman, it turns out, is a member of the Islamic Center of Southern Florida. She's a Muslim. And she tried to blow herself up in her car by crashing her car full of, uh, gas tanks into the Broward Sheriff's Office. And now, we didn't so you have to wonder, was... like, why is it that this went totally unreported with regards to the fact that the woman was Muslim? And I think you just said it because I did not hear that she was a Muslim. That, what you just yeah. said, is news to me, which would make perfect sense as to why it was initially reported. I remember seeing, uh, the story break and it came across yeah. on a couple, and then it came uh, on a couple internet forums and then on Drudge and then it was gone and, and then nobody talked about it. But 
that makes perfect sense that she was a Muslim. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? I mean, nobody else is really driving cars full of propane tanks into buildings and trying to kill themselves and others. So, look, it's just, it's unreal. It's just another example of the media trying to cover up uh, facts and things that really speak for themselves for the sake of protecting a group of people. And, you know, we saw this two weeks ago in Florida, too, when you had a 17-year-old jihadi who killed a a 13-year-old boy on his birthday uh, at a sleepover because the boy was not a Muslim. So, uh, you know, you have radicalization of youth and you have this growing problem of jihadis killing people in Florida all across the United States, really, and these incidents go completely unreported. Yeah, they do, and it's, you know, when we see with this news cycle, it is, uh, you know, one thing after another. Some stories stick for days, maybe weeks if we're lucky, and even then, with Las Vegas, we didn't get, uh, you know, the answers that we wanted. The Parkland, Florida shooting has been in the news since it's happened, uh, six weeks now. But, you know, the Austin bombing, well, out of the news. You, you but, know, i got to say one more thing, too. Laura, I just, it was just reported by the Daily Mail, I believe it was, that Omar Mateen's father uh, was an FBI informant for, what, 11 years? Uh, and he's currently under indictment. But that's the Pulse nightclub shooting's father. Shooter's father. So anyway, um, yeah. go figure. All right. Well, and then of course, what do we find out today? We find out that Comey knew. He knew, right? He knew about the pole shooter before this attack even took place. And then on top of that, besides actually knowing about Omar Mateen, he, you know, he knew that an FBI informant had told the FBI that supposedly Omar Mateen was no longer radicalized. And now we find out today that Omar Mateen's father was an FBI informant. So I want to know, like, was this the same FBI informant who told them that Omar Mateen wasn't radicalized? Because if so, then it makes his father an accomplice and somebody who kind of, you know, willingly let this happen. Man, you, you hit that right. You hit that out of the park. Exactly. All right. Now, on a separate but, but related note, the uh, Austin Bomber, that conduit was his last name. I, I read somewhere conduit. that his uh, father or grandfather had some deep ties to the NSA and the FBI and the federal government. I don't know if that's that's accurate or not. I never followed up. But what you just said. I don't said, know. I didn't hear about that. Okay. I didn't hear about that. Well, I'll keep digging into that. But so we just had this march, uh, march for our lives yeah. on the uh, gun control over the weekend. Do we know what the attendance was? I know it was much less than what they expected. I think it was like 200,000 or wow. like nationwide, nationwide 200,000, even though they said millions of people were going to show up, which mm-hmm. is like, you know, there's a really big difference between 200,000 people and millions of people. So um, I think I, I saw some numbers around uh, 200,000. All right. Well, you've got a brand new website, lauraloomer.us. And yeah. and I'll tell you what, folks. Bookmark lauraloomer.us. It's in it's in the program description. Visit that website. Visit her website. Citizen journalist. You can't beat it. The information there um, is second to none in my view. Uh, wow. We admire, of course, Laura's tenacity, her persistence, and several testimonials from Roger Stone, Wendy Broderick. Uh, boy, speak of the. Devil, we just spoke of about Juanita Broderick, um, her, her her position. But Laura, um, you've got some you've got some exclusive information or some information that you would like to to discuss tonight. Uh, let's talk. Yeah. So uh, 
I was a little scattered right before this interview because, uh, you know, this weekend I broke a story about how uh, MS-13 has, in Las Vegas, they killed about, you know, six-plus individuals and dumped their bodies near Lake Mead, which is a popular area in the Las Vegas area. And, uh, you know, Sheriff Lombardo uh, told members of the gang unit to not report on it, not talk about it, not inform members of the media, and keep the public totally in the dark about the fact that they were finding, you know, MS-13 gang members in, uh, well, the bodies of their of these gang members, of course, uh, their victims, uh, in popular locations with their hearts cut out, with gunshot wounds, their heads cut off, their bodies dismembered. And, you know, that's that's pretty severe. That's some pretty serious information, especially since it sounds like a killing spree, as it, as it was a killing spree, and Sheriff Lombardo talked about it today. So none of the media reports on this. Nobody picks up the story. But then today, this morning, I contacted LVMPD and asked them for contact via phone and also email, uh, like a, a comment regarding my story, and they refused to comment, uh, you know, just wouldn't reply to me. And then today, right before I had told them I was going to publish a story, uh, they had a press conference, and Sheriff Lombardo, long behold, comes out and says, yeah, well, we've arrested several MS-13 gang members. They've dismembered and killed 10 people. And, you know, it's just a real shame that it takes somebody online, you know, an investigative journalist online to hold the sheriff accountable to get him to do his job. He doesn't want to report this, of course, because he's running for re-election. And if you, you know, tell the people of Las Vegas that under your leadership as sheriff that the city has become more dangerous, right? We already know that LVMPD lied about their murder and and uh, their homicide rates for 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's yeah. not good for re-election. No, and and from what I'm just reading in an article from a, the press conference Lombardo held today, out of the 10 murders that they say, this is the headline on this article, 10 homicides tied to MS-13 gang. And so you read through it, it says, eight suspects initially were arrested, but since three have been cleared, and have provided vital information to the investigation. Among the five remaining suspects who are in federal custody, one is a juvenile. Three of the suspects are from El Salvador. One is from Honduras. And Lombardo did not release any of the names of the suspects. So we're going to have to continue to follow up on this. Well, he turned the you, case they over. They didn't release said. the names because you guarantee, I bet you anything, that they're illegal immigrants. So, of course, these people are going to be illegal, and they don't want to release the names because all of these towns, like Las Vegas is turning into a sanctuary city, all right? Nevada is becoming a sanctuary state just like California is. And you know that they're probably not releasing the names because they don't want people in the media to be like, wow, these people are illegal immigrants. They came from, you know, these these quote-unquote shithole countries, and now they're terrorizing Americans. And, and what does that yeah. do for them? What does it do for the Democrats who are propping up uh, Sheriff Lombardo. What does that do for people like Jim Moran, the CEO of MGM, who, you know, promotes illegal immigration in the lunchroom of his of his resorts, right, and gives aid to illegal immigrant employees? What does that do? That doesn't do anything, you know, beneficial for these people who are in control financially and uh, politically of Las Vegas because they don't want the narrative being skewed. They don't want people knowing that the people that they're bringing in and the people that they're protecting are actually killing innocent people. Yeah, and let's look at this. I mean, it's absolutely mind-boggling what what you just laid out, Laura. And the reason that they will not release the names is to protect their political ideology from looking bad because the people they're protecting are illegal aliens. Not only that, they're, they're violent gang members. 
But do you think that what Lombardo's actions were during this investigation are similar to those in the Las Vegas information, having information, not wanting to release it due to the political backlash that it may cause? Yeah, I I think so. And uh, on top of that, too, I think that this shows that Lombardo is even more of a liar because what did Lombardo say and what did Aaron Rouse say during the Las Vegas shooting investigation? Oh, we can't release details during an ongoing investigation. Well, this is an ongoing investigation, too, and they released some information today, did they not? They held a press conference. So once again, Lombardo is a liar. He's exposed as a liar in the media, somebody who doesn't, uh, you know, report the truth unless somebody, ex- you know, exposes him or or sheds light on the issue online. And then the media also, this was on my Twitter account for two days, and the information was out there. The media could have easily contacted them and asked for a comment or done some work themselves, but none of the media chose to report this. And then today they just waited. They're like lapdogs, you know, and it's proof that the local Las Vegas media are like lapdogs who jump when Sheriff Lombardo says jump. And that's, because they, they could have reported this two days ago. They all follow me on Twitter. You know, it, I mean, that's how they get all their intel. I, I, I see that, your Twitter account, just, just less than an hour ago. And I'll, I'll quote, folks, and if, if you're not following Laura Loomer on Twitter, please do so. She's got the most cutting-edge, up-to-date information. Her Twitter account is popular. She wrote, well, it's about time the media covered this story. It only took you guys 48 hours to type up investigative work handed to you on a silver platter through her Twitter. There it is right there. She did the work. And, and she's out there getting getting answers to the hard questions or asking the hard questions, and I, I love it. So this is why Laura Loomer is so important to the to the mix here, and we need to support her and make sure that she's heard everywhere. Yeah, no, that she's being attacked for asking well, yeah, the questions yeah. that you know yeah. former journalists would ask. But we yeah. appreciate your your stance and your on the front lines, Laura, and that uh, adds a whole other dimension to to what you do. It does. Thank you. Um, yeah, and you wrote as well. Where I, and I have to admit that uh, not only did the Daily Mail, uh, but but you wrote as well, or uh, you retweeted the fact of of uh, Mateen's father, Pulse nightclub shooter's father, being a FBI informant. So I mean, you're up on everything. Uh, so I, I saw you over there, Joe. Go ahead. Did you want to say, or did you? No. No, I was just fixing oh, fixing okay. my my earpiece. Right. But uh, since we last talked. I know uh, we were, were talking about the Broward County Sheriff's Office because you have some more information of that, but also some uh, seven minutes surveillance cameras from uh, of oh, the yeah. paddock was yeah. released. I don't know. I'm sure you saw that. Really, uh, the only thing it shows is it confirms he took a lot of bags up to his room. No footage from his floor. Uh, only you know from the valet yeah. to him at a at a restaurant to him at a slot machine, and and that's about the extent of it. And, and there's nothing groundbreaking or out of the ordinary in there. But I, I just thought that was interesting that they released that. See, couldn't they have released something like that Initially. three days after the thing, yeah. just the week after? Well, yeah, and that's what that's what I want to know, too, is why is it that the New York Times got this footage when, what was it, like three days after the shooting, they were calling for an end to the investigation into whether or not there were ISIS ties? I mean, look, there are informants and federal officials, feds, right, federal agents who work as propaganda agents at a lot of these left-wing liberal uh, news organizations, right? We, we have caught CNN. CNN has been caught pushing liberal propaganda and or like state propaganda for foreign nations and, you know, government agencies for political candidates. You know, we saw what they did with Hillary Clinton and Donna Brazil during the campaign. So what makes you think that the New York Times isn't going to push a narrative for the FBI? Like, 
why is it that this surveillance footage finally came out as myself and a few others now have been talking about the ISIS narrative and the connection with ISIS jihadis who crossed over through the Mexican border and participated in the Las Vegas shooting. I mean, there are congressmen who are being briefed on this evidence, and I've reported this, and people are telling me, no, that's not true, that's not true, but it's going to come out, all right? It's going to come out, and then people are going to finally see that ISIS was tied to this. And, you know, you saw Congressman Scott Perry, he went on TV a few months ago, and he said he said something similar to this. And then what happened is he was attacked by all the representatives on a bipartisan level in Nevada, and then they just never talked about it again. You never saw him on Fox News after that talking about Vegas and the ISIS ties. So yeah. I think that this is a way for them to manipulate the narrative and say that Stephen Paddock was the only shooter. It's like, why couldn't they release this footage um, in, the, in the very beginning? They're obviously trying to distract people from something. And if you look at people who are investigating this, like we're starting to leak a lot of information um, that you know, they, they know is real. I mean, I, I've seen some of the reports that the Bureau has right now and some of the information I can't release, like some of the documents uh, pertaining to ISIS's involvement just because it's of such sensitive nature Just right give now. it to Comey. But, yeah. Or yeah, McCain. Know, right? Yeah, I'm sorry. But, but look, I, there's so much information that's going to come out soon about this and, you know, especially with Brian Hodge and his connection and how the FBI failed to investigate him and... And, uh, you know, that's all I would really say is be wary. I would not really trust the New York Times. Like, how long have they had this footage? And what was the financial payoff? Somebody paid for that footage. I mean, who gave them this footage? Yeah, there it is. It's copywritten, so you have to be careful with them on top yeah, of that. Among other, yeah, but yeah, I agree. Follow the money on this. Now, I, I want to jump in here real quick because we're going to hold you over, um, or we're not going to take a network break. You have got, you've got some important information about the March for Our Lives, and I took the words out of Joe's mouth there, uh, about the organization, about the backstory. The under yeah okay, tell us about that. So I did a undercover investigation into the Parkland organizers, and for a lot of people who don't know, the Giffords Foundation, which was founded by Gabby Giffords and her husband, they uh, they are the people who are funding or did fund at least the March for Our Lives. They flew all the students out, or they you know did partnerships with Southwest Airlines. And I caught this organizer who's all, her name is Debbie Miller, and she's also a Broward County public school teacher. And during this inter well this meeting that was recorded between her and the students and people who were traveling to DC for the march, she was caught saying, Oh well Southwest Airlines has donated all these seats to us and then oh we don't have permits for the event, so it's not really a march, it's really a rally. So you guys should like break the law anyway and go protest in front of the White House and create hell and then we're gonna go to the National Education Association building and and so many just like really concerning things, and she admitted too that she violated uh, taxpayer, uh, you know, funds through her public school by using the school printer to print off copies of the itinerary for these students. So it's a total abuse of taxpayer funds that are supposed to be going to, uh, you know, students, and she's she's using it to print uh, political or liberal propaganda. I mean, she needs to be fired. This lady needs to be fired, and. Governor, uh, you know, Rick Scott of Florida and Attorney General um, uh, Pam Bondi, they need to open an investigation into the misuse of taxpayer funds by the Broward County school system. That's smoking information. She also, yeah. she also made some very anti-Semitic comments, too, during the meeting. She, she made some comments, and then I called her about this, and she said she was joking. But she goes, oh, well, uh the politicians control the uh, are controlled by the Jews in Washington. Like, 
you know, like trying wow. to say that that the Republicans are controlled by Jews. <laughs> why yeah. are you saying this to students? Why are you saying this to teenagers? No, well, no, I'll tell you why. To be clear, Debbie Miller said this. Debbie Miller, who's a Broward County teacher, okay. who works at uh, like a Montessori beachside school, I believe, and. I don't know. If I were if I were you, I would have all your viewers call the administrator for this school and demand that she be fired and investigated. I would I would call Rick Scott's office. I would call Pam Bondi's office, and I would demand an immediate investigation because the fact that they're using the school printers and resources, and it's hard for public schools to get money, right? Right. It's hard, and public schools fight for the money that they receive to be printing off liberal propaganda, anti-Trump propaganda. That is totally unacceptable. Viewers and listeners, you heard the lady. We call. We demand an investigation. We so you're you're suggesting we call the. Just to be clear again, who should we yeah, contact? I'm suggesting that you call Rick Scott and right. Pam Bondi's office. And there's also a form. It's probably better because the people who work in their offices, honestly, like it's just very hard to communicate with them because a lot of these people are just not very good communicators. To be honest, like that's just my personal experience. So you have to like use the online forms because the receptionists don't really know what they're talking about. So I would call um, if you want to follow up with your form, but you can go to the governor of Florida's uh, website and you can also go to the attorney general's website um, and you can fill out a complaint, like an official complaint, and then you can call to follow up. Okay. Good advice, and and this is something I think I would urge all of the uh, listeners and viewers out there to do this. We we can win on the numbers, Laura. I mean, your initiative to do this, I believe we can win on the numbers. When I say when I say win on the numbers, I mean um, certainly make a difference in, in getting the investigation started. Thanks to you and your information. So, Gifford's organization. Uh, through some the money? Giffords, yeah, the Giffords Foundation, which is which was created by uh, Gabby Giffords and her husband Mark Kelly. You know, oh, she's the congresswoman who got shot in the head, yeah. and the Democrats love parading her around mm-hmm. as a tool for gun control because she got shot in the head. You know, and yeah. it's like, you know, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna like tell a woman who got shot in the head and can't like think or do anything for herself that she's wrong? You know, it's right. she's like the perfect punching bag for the Democrats because she's 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 essentially just this prop, you know, and and that's what they're doing with these children, too. And they're using exactly. Gabby Giffords, who's, like, mentally disabled now because of all the trauma that she um, she faced because of, you know, getting shot in the head. And then these children. And so that's what they do is they set up these 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 props, these human props, these human shields. And if you criticize them, then you're, you're a bully. You're a bully for attacking a woman who, yeah. you know, is mentally disabled. You're, you're a bully for attacking children, right, even though they're, like, 17, 18 years old, not really children. Yeah, and, and you know that's exactly what we see people being censored on YouTube for just uh, showing the, the comments David Hogg is making on gun control, and it's absolutely uh, mind-boggling that they are yeah. allowed to, to you know put these people, these children, uh, up there, and, and they are uh, above from any criticism whatsoever. Laura, we only got a few minutes left. One last question on Parkland: There were calls from the governor's office and the state senate to have Sheriff Israel fired. The state senate has the power to do that as well as the governor. We've not seen any action on that. Have you heard anything more about his job? I have not, but I did plaster the entire Broward County uh, Sheriff's Office with uh, Broward Coward posters, uh, you know, demanding that Sheriff Israel and his associates be fired and investigated. So, uh, Laura, I I read a story. There was a mysterious poster showing up. Seriously, they never said who did it. They didn't know who did it. It was you. Yesterday, I read, yesterday or Saturday, I read this story and I saw the, the three posters in the background and I thought, oh, that's pretty funny. But that was you. That's awesome. 
that's how you get things yeah. done. Yeah, and so, um, and then in the morning, the, of course, there were like 20 sheriff's uh, deputies who responded to the scene, and it's like, wow, wow, it's nice to see that you guys are out in full force for posters, but you couldn't do the same on Valentine's Day when 17 people got shot. You know, it's like they're, they have no sense of priorities. I mean, you should have seen, you, you can see the scene, actually. If you go on my YouTube channel, you can watch the video, and you can see the insane amount of police who responded to my posters when they arrived in the morning and found the entire sheriff's office covered in posters. But why is it that they couldn't send that many officers to Marjorie Stone and Douglas? Yeah, even, even with the warnings to the FBI. Laura, we're at the end of our time together. You've been such a gracious, yeah. you are so gracious, and, and you are so effective, and we thank you for everything you do. Uh, go to lauralumer.us. Tips, you're taking tips in terms of information. So if anyone has any information they want to pass on to Laura, she, she's taking tips. And also, hey, a jar of tips, a tip jar. Mm-hmm. Support Laura Loomer as well. That's any, how she makes her living. Yeah. Yeah. Laura, thank you so very much for everything. And thank thanks, you. I appreciate it. Thanks for your gracious gift of time. Uh, we'll send you a link for the segment of audio or video tomorrow, uh, within yeah. the next 24 hours, but thank you. Thank you so very much for showing up. All right. Thank you. And, 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 and everybody out to directly support her because yeah, she is on the front lines. She doesn't have, she, you know, she's not a, a, on hired from the, or on salary from the Washington Post or anything else. She does this as an entrepreneur all on her own. So make sure you seek her out. If you enjoy her reporting and if it, it's useful to you, and and drop her some money, whatever it could be, we are and taking. At together. least let her know you're right. you're there for. And, and together we are we are taking back. To, I've never been so energized. I'm going to tell you right now. I have never been so. I've never been so tired in all my life, but so energized from this because it's people like Laura Loomer. It's people. It's people on the front lines who are fighting the fight that will make the difference, and we're fighting for not just the truth and us but we're fighting for you as well and we mm-hmm. can win we can we can we can prevail in this fight and i'm just so excited i by the way i want to thank not only you folks listening and viewing but i do want to uh, give a special thanks to, to joe for all he's done and for eric the tech who's worked uh, 100 100 well over 100 percent uh 24 7 as well as john robertson and all of the members here uh to to make this show what it is Yep. Thank you all so very much. All right. It's a, truly a team effort. It and, is. Uh, everybody does a great job at, at doing their part. And I'm so inspired by Laura Loomer and so motivated by your words, I pledge to donate $20 from John Robertson's bank account to Laura Loomer. There you so, go. And there as you a go. matter of fact, uh, we're going to go to the, the dark net. And, never mind. Uh, no, but seriously, we do, we do, we do put, put our um, money where our mouth is. Yeah, and, and we do support those people who are doing the job, and, and to, to the extent that we can. Obviously, we're good stewards, I believe, and we do share what we what we're able. And uh, whether it's through product, uh, uh, you know, or, or just plain plain support, financial support, this is so important because right now we are in the fight of our lives, epic battle. We have coming up with us, James Wesley Rawls. And Survival I, blog? Yeah, I can't wait for James and let us know when he's on. Um, we're going to be talking with him about a number of things. And then, of course, we have... <laughs> so, let me get this paper. Okay. And, and then Stuart Rhodes. Oh, you're going to want to stay tuned for Stuart. And then, of course, between, uh, from 9 to 10, uh, Peter Barry Chaka. And, of course, Biggie and uh, company. So the Pumas, yeah, his cats, the Pumas. which we missed last week due yeah. to the audio only. Uh, real quick, while we're waiting for Mr. Rawls, 
The Colombian Post is has a story about David Hogg. David Hogg was home during the Parkland shooting. We know he's already admitted that he did not or has ever met any personally any of the victims uh, who died in Florida during that shooting, which it's a huge high school, 4,000 people almost, so uh, that's understandable, especially since the shooting happened mostly in the freshman halls. So, but there's an interview. So wait a second. So, so, what are you, so, you telling me? He, he was. Uh, he's uh, given some interviews. Uh, yeah, one yeah. from a CBS video documentary where he says that he was home and he says, on the day of the shooting, I got my camera and got on my bike and rode as fast as I could for three miles from my house to the school to get as much video and to get as many interviews as I could because I knew that this could be another, that this could not be another mass shooting. He doesn't elaborate on why he was at home during the shooting and admits he didn't know most of the students who were killed. But my question is, how does somebody during a mass shooting, how do you get back in, how do you go into the school? How do you get into the school? There's a mass shooting going on and you leave your house and you go run into the school to, to get interviews? It doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, we want to be sure that we're correct on that, so let's, let's Okay, again, this is from the this. Columbian Post. And was that an admission by this Hogg not, himself? This is quoted from a CBS article. Now, right. there's no hyperlink. To, wait, here, here's one. I will, I will personally find and track down these comments. All right. And Very we do have our guests. But, yeah, it's, um, you know, it's amazing. And one of the things, as expected, that we see from these students is they've evolved from talking not only about gun control, but now we hear things, you know, about uh, welfare and transgender rights and on and on and on, like they're reading from the, uh, you know, George Soros liberal talking points day in and day out. This is an anti-Second Amendment, mm-hmm. anti-First Amendment. This is a complete fascist flipping except, endeavor. Except when it ap- applies to him, because Friday the school announced new a new policy with backpacks, saying that they had to be clear if you wanted to carry a backpack. And Mr. Hogg was very vocal about how that violated his First Amendment rights and how he was so unhappy about that. Of course, Which I found it Maxian just hilarious bad, uh, because backpack. He is, he's worried about his First yeah. Amendment rights, yet this person has no regard for the, the Second Amendment uh, and the rights of every other American. So, you know, that's about par for the well, course. Well, you know, with James Wesley Rawls, we're going to have to ask him out of the gate with the recent March for Our Lives, are we beginning to see the, are we, are we starting to see the start of the American Spring, shall we say? But uh, let's give him a, a proper welcome. We welcome James Wesley Rawls, survivalblog.com, immensely popular. Follow him on Twitter, at survivalblog uh, on Twitter, and uh, we'll welcome Mr. Rawls. Well, thanks for having me on again. Oh, and, well, and by the way, um, our, the main platform itself, survivalblog.com, is, is the place to look. Um, we only use Twitter basically to, to drive traffic back to Survival Blog itself. We don't do any special posts on Twitter. I'm not okay. a big believer in social media. Amen. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you're not. You know, we use it, uh, as we have said, we're riding the beast. YouTube is a platform that we stream on in conjunction with Global Star, in conjunction with BTR. We use all the platforms, but riding the beast to, to the advantage of the conservative cause, the moral, social, uh, spiritual conservative causes, um, you know, until until such time as our plug is pulled. So uh, we understand about the social networking site. So, okay. All right. Um, now, you were asking about the uh, the Washington March. I, I think that it was a very well-orchestrated 
uh, event. Um, obviously, uh, there were a lot of uh, these uh, 14 to 18-year-olds who were bussed in from long distances. A lot of them flew long distances. Uh, I, I saw one pundit on the Internet say, uh, well, obviously, they must have used the money they saved up from mowing lawns and babysitting to buy those plane tickets. <laughs> yeah, well... Uh, it, there, there obviously was a, you know, it was a well-orchestrated event, very well-financed. Oh, yeah. Uh, you, have, you had the ultra-leftists like Democracy Now! playing over an hour of excerpts of these insipid speeches that were made. And as you pointed out, they are branching out into the entire collectivist agenda. Uh, yeah. They want much more than just um, civilian disarmament. They, they want the entire leftist playbook put into action. You're exactly right, and that's, that's what they're uh, talking about on all these interviews. And from what we have been able to figure out from researching, the March for Our Lives event was organized by a 12-year veteran of Dancing with the Stars. Her name is Kat. Now, money from a, a million dollars from Clooney to half a million dollars from Oprah and so much more went into this event. It had... Uh, but, the, but Joe, and, and Mr. Rawls, tw uh, 39 days post-event. 39, 39 days. You can't tell me this wasn't planned long in advance, right? Oh, certainly. Okay. I think they were just waiting for a trigger event. And um, whenever you see these events... Um, you have to look at not just what's on the surface, but what's beneath the surface. Who's financing it? Who is coordinating it? And what le what um, levels and layers of organization are going on between multiple organizations to make something like this happen? Now, it, it all fits into you know the 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 classic Hegelian dialectic, and obviously the, the mass media is not just along for the ride. They're, they are one of the driving forces behind this whole thing. They are the driving exactly. forces, and that's what makes it so different this time than any other time in history, is we see the mainstream media has completely, completely sold out to uh, you know this ideology. And they don't even try to hide it anymore. In this, uh, we were talking about this earlier. After President Trump was uh, won the primary, something changed. We saw the the landscape of the media completely change to where, uh, you know, they just went off the rails. Especially after he won the election, and they attack him constantly for no, you know, it doesn't matter good or bad, whatever he does, he is attacked. And that is because not only of what he wants to do, but what he represents, which is the silent majority, his base, who had voted for him. And right. they will lie, base. they'll cheat, they'll steal, and and uh, any and everything in between, just to make sure their ideology is pushed front and center and never contradicted. Right. Yeah, his base really is the bedrock culture of our country. And that's something that the left just cannot abide by. It, you know, it, it's what... Obama referred to as, you know, the bitter clingers. And and here we are. And, and what they want to do is they want to silence us and they want to disarm us because they, 
they realize that they cannot get their full agenda in force unless or until the vast majority of Americans are disarmed. I think they're on a fool's errand, but uh, they're going to do their very best. They're going to push as hard as they can. And last week, when the Republican-controlled uh, Congress pushed through the omnibus spending bill, which included fixed NICs, which included $500 million for Planned Parenthood, it's obvious that the Republican leadership has been co-opted and that they are willing to compromise, and that is a very, very frightening thing. Amen to that. Now, Mr. Rawls, I don't know if you know the answer to this or not. I, I was looking, I was doing, my, my wife uh, caused me to look into this, uh, contrary to, I mean, even before the, uh, whatever these posts were, these anonymous posts, but um, the difference between a federal budget and an omnibus bill does this not uh, permit Donald Trump to um, use? Well, well it okay. Gives a, it gives him a little bit more discretion, but unfortunately, with the earmarks that exist there, uh, it's not like uh, he's com has complete carte blanche. Okay. I wish he wish he did, because then he could zero out things like Planned Parenthood, but but he can't. But can he? He can. He can did or what I was looking at was Obama's uh, handling of the. There were four different uh, bills, omnibus bills under Obama, and I noticed that Obama took those appropriations as suggestions, and even uh, you know slow walked or did not walk the money. Yeah, I think you know, the, the, yeah, the go ahead. even with the earmarks, the one thing that Trump can do is the same thing that that Obama did, and that is to delay implementation. And right. there, I think he might have some leverage. Okay. If he does it right. Right, and, and I don't think he planned that. I think it just happened that way. And I think he was focused on, you know, rebuilding the military. And you yourself, um, um, uh, of course, you know, you're given your history and the fact that uh, um, you were a uh, former U.S. Army intelligence officer. You got to know. I mean, our military was shredded by Obama, by his, by his man. Absolutely. Yeah. So well, okay. I, I am. You know, I have very mixed feelings about President Trump and his willingness to negotiate uh, with the the Democrats in the Senate and the House on civilian disarmament is very troubling. Oh. And okay. So let's let's I, talk about that because that concerns sure. me. Uh, so so you, you're thinking that that uh, President Donald Trump might just entertain anti-constitutional? Well, I, I think so. Yeah, well, let's face it. He he is a big city New Yorker kind of guy. And he is not... He he got elected by Bedrock Cultural America, but he's not part of Bedrock Cultural America. And he prides himself on being a master negotiator. And if he thinks that he can get other parts of his agenda put into motion by caving in a bit on civilian disarmament, I think he will. And if he's handed a assault weapons bill, uh, then I think he might be very likely to sign it. You know, I agree with, with what you're saying about how President Trump, his thought process and whatnot, but I also remember uh, several times, even in the midst after some controversial comments he made, 
about uh, you know regulating the Second Amendment, he immediately put out a tweet and and made it very clear that you know he would not do anything that would come against our gun rights. But I do agree with the mentality that you're talking about. You know, we heard it with DACA. We did hear it in the gun debate. We heard it with the spending bill, um, mm-hmm. where he talked about you know I'll sign it, just get it done, get it to me, and I'll sign it. And right. even with the with the spending bill, he threatened to veto it. And I, I didn't put a lot of stock into that. I, I told uh, John right before our Daily Show, I said, John, I think this is just him, you know, uh, uh, testing the waters, throwing this out there to create some controversy. He's going to sign it. Uh, there's no way he wouldn't. But this is uh, part of the Trump that deals with his ego. And, and uh, you know, we didn't elect a, a spiritual leader. We didn't elect a moral leader. We elected somebody to stand up for the Constitution and the American people. And he's done a great job of that so far. But there are... Uh, legitimate questions and you just raised some points right there that um, make us wonder you know uh, imagine a massive terrorist attack like 9-11 happens are we going to see another patriot act is he the kind of president that would have to you know go along to get along to get that done so that's a real concern that that is now there are some some analysts have said that what trump is attempting to do with firearms legislation is similar to what he did with daca which was to attempt to overload a legislative package to make it unpalatable by either party. Basically, stuff it full of poison pills to make sure that nothing happens. And maybe that is what he has planned, but the noises he's making are being taken the wrong way by the Republican-dominated House and Senate. They're taking it to mean, oh, well, let's yeah, let's go ahead and and vote in some of the so-called common sense gun legislation. It's uh, mm-hmm. we're on a very slippery slope here. The art of the deal, which the master of compromise. Well, it, it, that kind of segues into your quote of the day to uh, today, where you, where it's written, um, if a person is too dangerous to have a gun, and I'm kind of at the periphery of of what you said here, but the quote of the day is interesting. Uh, if a person is too dangerous to have a gun, that person is dangerous enough to uh, uh, to arrest or commit taking people's guns on the say-so of a jilted lover or a crazy neighbor isn't a slippery slope. It's a cliff, which, basically what you just said. And then it goes into the NRA, uh, the quote. And, of course, that's from Old Remus in his weekly Euro Woodpile report blog. So it, it's it's interesting you picked, you selected that quote today uh, from, of course, we're talking with James Wesley Rawls, his uh you can find them at survivalblog.com. Uh, so that's interesting. Of course, your your uh, uh, Patriot books as well, kind of uh, in sur- uh, Patriots, Survivors, and Founders, of course, uh, in my view, required reading in addition to really all of your columns. But So, okay. What are we going to see from this? In your in your view, are we are we, are we at the the moment of this American Spring where things are going to change, or or what do you think? I don't know. It, it's hard to say. I think that the left actually is waiting for one more trigger event, and I wouldn't put it past them uh, to have a Reichstag fire type event where they can really clamp down and say, "Okay, this is the be-all and end-all uh, mass shooting." This is the one where we have no choice but to enact, you know, X, Y, or Z legislation. I don't think we're quite there yet, partly because there's a Republican majority 
in the House and the Senate and Republican control of the White House, but in, in part because what's really been going on is a massive psyop. The mass media is engaged in a psychological operation against the American public, trying to sway voters into going along with the whole concept of civilian disarmament. Are we, are we talking complete disarmament or selective? Like, no, uh, no, I, they'll, they'll be incremental, because if they tried complete disarmament, they would have Civil War II on their hands very shortly, and nobody wants that. I, I think what they want is incremental disarmament, but and they they would even be content with multi generational disarmament, where it, it takes a generation or two uh, to disarm people, and they can do that if they get what they refer to as mandatory background checks, which is liberal code for banning private party sales. Because it's those private party transactions that leave firearms completely off the table in terms of, of confiscation. Because there's a break in the chain of paperwork once a gun is used and then resold on a secondary market, there is no you know positive tracking of a firearm from manufacturer down to a street address where it can be collected. That really is the, is the is the is the 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 holy grail for the liberal gun grabbers. They want to ban private party sales because they want a de facto registry of every firearm in the country. And if they can ban private party sales with their so-called universal background checks, they can just wait 20 or 30 years, wait wait for a generation to go by, and then. Uh, they'll have tracking on the vast majority of the guns of the country. At that point, they can think about uh, going ahead and going door to door. Okay. Now that that makes sense, along with what Citibank had done recently, mm -hmm. or last week, or you know, over the weekend. Just last couple of days, yeah. Yeah. And for those people who don't know, uh, it's on the Hagman Report. Yeah, it, it is on the HagmanReport.com. But, Mr. Rawls, um, I, I was attempting to determine if, well, maybe you can explain. What are your thoughts on what Citibank did? And for those people who don't know, if you want to explain it, because they're, they're going well, after... Know, Citibank has changed its, its policies uh, both to individual uh, credit consumers and to the businesses that, that uh, have use of, of OPM, other people's money, with the credit card services, where they're clamping down on anything related to firearm sales, and essentially they're conflating firearm sales with pornography and with um, illicit drug use. They're putting that all under their terms of service to to essentially make a you know an enshrined constitutional right into some kind of horrible sin. Uh, that that needs to be clamped down on, and this latest stage of the the, the whole collectivist gun grab that's going on has been they've already pretty well 
control the mass media, they control the institutions of higher learning. Now they're getting the cooperation of private firms in the banking industry, uh, in the funds transfer business like PayPal, and in social media with organizations like Facebook and Twitter. Because those are private organizations, people cannot file lawsuits for deprivation of constitutional rights because they, it's a private organization and they, they can do business with whoever they, they choose. And they can censor whoever they choose because it's a private you know, information gathering and transfer business. It's not a public institution. Right. With, with that step in the process, we, the real danger again is multi-generational because right now the American gun culture is still fairly strong in, in where I live out in small town America it's incredibly strong but in the big cities the, the gun culture is weakening and the hope that the liberals have is to break the chain the, the, the generational chain from grandfather to grandson from father to son of you know, going out to the range and learning how to shoot. For most young American shooters, the, the way that most of them are, are getting into guns, ironically, is from playing video games that involve a lot of firearms. They get curious about guns, they start to research guns on the internet, and then uh, they take the leap and become a first-time gun buyer. What's going on now is with YouTube clamping down on firearms-related videos, Facebook and Twitter both demonizing firearms and blowing away huge volumes of content left, right, and center. What they're hoping to do is break that uh, intergenerational chain so that people just don't see information on firearms other than negative information. And if they can accomplish that, they can essentially disrupt the American gun culture. I think that's their goal. It is their goal, but I, I, I do believe that they can only influence it a, a very, uh, I don't even want to say a small percentage. I don't know that they're really changing minds. Uh, maybe people who've never owned guns. Right. Uh, that, that's but, who we're going to lose if, if, uh, if they're successful. Because within gun-owning families, they're not going to disrupt that intergenerational chain. They'll, they'll never stop me from taking my children and grandchildren out shooting and hunting. That's just not going to happen. No, what but they will create protesters. Is, 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 is take the urban population and distance them from the gun culture. So that they never never get inculcated into the culture. Kind of like what we see with their uh, the ways that they attack the conservative media in this country by trying to label it as though it, it's Nazi fascism or or Nazis. Right. Yeah. And the same thing, you know, they're doing with with the guns. They're they're trying to equate it with some you know type of uh, evil uh, of you know thing that we have that needs to be get, got rid of even though it's part of our constitution. I can't believe that the time is already oh, man. 
Dunn, James Wesley Rawls, we're going to have to have you back on. We appreciate your time so much. Survivalblog.com is the website. And, and check, check out his precepts of uh, survivalist philosophy. Absolutely right on the money. Mr. Rawls, we'll have you back, okay? Is that right? Thank you so much for having me on, gentlemen. Thank you, sir. Survivalblog.com. Joe, fantastic. Yeah, that just uh, zipped by. Yeah, it did. Folks, network break. Going to be back on the other side with Stuart Rhodes from Oath Keepers. This is really great. I was looking over uh, Oathkeeper's uh, rifle giveaway, 25% off membership sale. I got to tell you, all right, um, ain't a bad deal. And the the man that we have on right now, Stuart Rhodes, is the man behind Oathkeeper's, oathkeepers.org. Some interesting and very important, uh, very critically important Articles at oathkeepers.org. I gotta, I gotta say, we're not, you know, when we look at the history, we look at what's going on today. I shouldn't say history, the current events against the, or in contrast to history. Uh, you know, we've got some issues. And one of the recent articles at oathkeepers.org is things to consider with civil unrest and martial law. There's a, a video by the millennial man you got to watch that it's uh, linked off of oathkeepers.org and of course um, always a pleasure to have on with us and the the man who triggers the beta males all over the United States the snowflakes uh, to the delight of us and all of the alpha males is Stuart Rhodes Stuart Rhodes welcome to, back to the program sir oh wait a second wait a second wait a uh, we're trying to get our video up here, so. But I was saying about the, uh, uh, about oathkeepers.org. For example, March 26th gun owner rally logistics, uh, the, uh, very important, uh, 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 events that are being planned. The teacher who called the military lowest of the low, of course, being fired. Mm-hmm. The things you don't, you don't hear. Yeah, things you don't hear about, Joe. They're uh, putting their freedom and, and everything oh, on the what line he to did, go. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, it's a it's a necessary um, organization, and and we need more like them. And it's unfortunate that when we see what we were just talking about, how the media portrays, and now especially after the Parkland shooting, shooting the Second Amendment and those who advocate for it, uh, you know, I wouldn't. Uh, pretty soon, you're going to see Oath Keepers listed as a terrorist organization, and uh, on and on. I mean, well, as they come against right, the guns, watch, they shall reconsider them. That yeah, as they come against the Second Amendment, they're going to come against any and everybody. Who supports that amendment? And we're already seeing that, like you said, with YouTube and with Citibank and, and many others. So it's, um, you know, won't be long now. No, exactly right. March for our lives will start a revolution. So isn't that interesting? Uh, we also have also linked off of both keepers. Go ahead, sir. We have our guest, Stuart Rhodes, with us. We oh, got And him. we got your video now, too. Okay, perfect. Stuart, welcome back to the Hagman Report. Thank you. Glad to be here. Appreciate it. Man, we got so much to talk about. Um, did you march, uh, Stuart, uh, in the march? 
Uh-huh. Well, actually, today I was at a New Jersey uh, gun rights rally on the New Jersey Capitol steps because today New Jersey passed a whole bunch of nasty stuff against gun rights, or, or we're debating them today. But uh, as far as the walkouts, no, of course not. <laughs> I know, so I know. you stand for the Second Amendment, Gee. which according to the people who set up that march, that means you stand for the death of American citizens. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we know what their propaganda is, we, but we also know that they're what we call blood dancers. Um, they're dancing in the blood of, of dead children, and their only proposed solution it's the you know it's the it's the standard dialectic right they create a, create a problem they created a problem by creating um, what Matt Bracken calls like sticking the kids out like goats mm-hmm. to be a, t- a predator where they're left intentionally undefended with unarmed teachers who can't who can't defend them look at that coach down in, the football coach down in Florida you know a man's got the heart of a warrior but he wasn't armed properly if he'd had a Glock 19 he could have smoked the shooter instead of being a bullet catcher. He could have been a bullet deliverer. But they don't want to hear about that because they know it's the actual solution. And you look right across the ocean and over, over at Israel, and Israel for many decades now has had armed teachers because that's the only thing that works. The only answer to a bad guy with a gun in the school is a good guy with a gun in the school who can react quick enough to stop the killing. You can't wait for a good guy to show up. I mean, it's really kind of bizarre. They don't want any guns in the school, armed by teachers or even cops. And yet when the shooter shows up to kill them all, the first thing to do is jump on 911 and call for an armed police officer to get there as fast as possible. And then they're all cowering in a corner praying and gets there in time. You know, he needs to be on, on the campus already, or an armed teacher, or an armed veteran. I mean, I sort of a paratrooper and an NRA firearms instructor. I'd be more than happy to go volunteer in my local schools and protect the kids. And I know plenty of other guys who are law enforcement or military would be happy to do the same. And, as, as, and you've got, okay, you've got really a, um, a plan that you put together recommendations for improved school security that includes uh, oath keepers guarding schools. Uh, you put it together. Well, actually, what we, what we did is put together a panel of our best cops, and really the model program is already out there. It's been running for three years. It's in Polk County, Florida, with Sheriff Judd down there, who's been arming teachers and training them for three years. He puts them through the, the police academy. He doesn't do it through his local department after hours, but they wind up being better trained than most cops. They go through extra protections or extra training above and beyond the academy for active, active shooter response. And then he also allows military and police veterans in the community who want to volunteer to do the exact same thing. And he makes them officers. He makes them deputizes, makes them police officers. So he's been doing this for three years now. And, and also to any parents who want to volunteer and are willing to go through the training. And it goes through extensive psychological background checks. Um, they do everything they can to be sure these people are competent. And then he makes them he makes them officers. That's the answer. Yeah, and we see that shooting in Maryland that happened just last week. We had a, a student come in with a gun. He shot two people, and within I believe sixty seconds, was put down by a school resource officer who did have a gun, and he he was uh, at the right place at the right time. But yeah, it, it's it's amazing to me the same people, these politicians, and Hollywood and media elite who are surrounded by armed guards twenty four seven will come out and tell you, you don't have a right, the law-abiding citizens don't have a right to the Second Amendment uh, because there are some people who abuse it just like anything else. And I don't know if you saw this uh, on Friday, I believe it was, in Pennsylvania. Uh, the school superintendent said they wanted Ridiculous. to arm students with rocks. They, when you get into school, you get a bucket of rocks. Now, they thought well, they golf balls first, yeah, yeah. but they said that the golf balls bounce around too much and could pose injury risks to students. <laughs> 
So they decided on rocks uh, to fight off mass shooters if it had ever happened. I mean, is that insane or what? Well, I mean, there's there's a school of thought and training, and again, it goes from the Israelis that you know, in a prohibited environment like a like a college campus or a school, um, if you have nothing else, if you don't have mm-hmm. an armed teacher or an armed qualified you know guardian, then yeah, I mean, pick up a chair, pick up a laptop, any, books, anything you can, and throw it at throw it at the guy, and then you got to tackle him on the ground and, and beat him unconscious. That's the only way to really stop him, and it does work. So that's preferable, frankly, you know, that's preferable to them cowering in a corner. At least they're starting to think about fighting back. Um, but what's really necessary, as, as the Israelis know, and it doesn't mean I'm, I'm worshiping Israel. I saw one criticism of me online. Why is he worshiping Israel? Because I'm just saying that this is what's been done in Israel because it works. You need armed teachers who are competent and trained. And like, like President Trump said, I'm not saying you just hand the guys guns, put them through training. But meanwhile, your retired cops and your retired military in your community should be in the schools protecting them. And frankly, here's what, here's what Trump, President Trump should do right now. President Trump is commander-in-chief of the Armed Forces of the United States to call forth the militia. And right now, that would mean calling forth and federalizing the National Guard and posting at least two guardsmen, armed guardsmen, at every school in the country right now. That's what he should do. And he should say, I'm going to do this until Congress and the state legislatures and the local school districts get their heads out of their rear ends and fixes this by putting guardians in the school. Find a way to do it. Get it done. Until then, the National Guard will be brought back from wherever the hell they are overseas and put to work guarding our kids. They're out of the National Guard, after all. They're supposed to guard the nation. So that's what he should do. I really think that's what a commander-in-chief under his duty should do right now. I, I like that idea. And, and then he can call forth the rest of us as the you know the so-called un- um Unorganized militia, especially as military and police veterans, same thing. Call us into federal duty, put us in front of the friggin' schools. That's what we should do right now. Cut through all the crap, get it done, get it fixed. Anything, anything less is not going to protect the kids fast enough to stop another copycat from going out there and doing it tomorrow. It could be done tomorrow. I, I, I totally agree with you on this. Will he do that? I guess that's you, is it up to him. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, we, all we can do is 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 prod him to do his duty. Um, that's our responsibility and our duty. We sit on our hands and are silent, and we're, we're negligent in our duties. We could, we got to speak up and say, "This is what you should do, Commander in Chief." You know, put us to work. Put the guys who are still current serving to work, and those of us who are retired or former, put us to work too. We can get it done. You know. Any one of us who are, who are, who are, who are you know, moderately well-trained infantrymen or, or retired cops would have taken that shooter down. He's Absolutely. not a ninja. He's just a guy with a gun. And most of them, when, they, when effective fire is brought on them, they wind up shooting themselves. That's what happens almost all the time. Or they flee. Right. In Sutherland yeah. Springs, Texas, look at, look at the hero of Sutherland Springs, Texas, when the church down there was attacked. You know, Stephen Williford, not prior served military, not a law enforcement officer retired, just an, just an average NRA rifle shooter, and a good one, but he put the stop to it with a couple of rounds, and he hit the guy, you know, managed to hit him, I think, in the hip, and uh, the guy jumped in his car and took off, and then he pursued him, and then he bled out on the side of the road and killed himself. So, you know, it can be done. You don't have to be G.I. Joe, Super Ninja, or some high-speed, low-drag, you know, SWAT officer or Delta Force to put a, to put a stop to the killing. And you don't and need he, an AR-15 to stop an AR-15. <laughs> As well, they, they try well, to make the argument, um, it works. Yeah, but I mean, would I want one in my hand? Absolutely. 
It's, it's a, you know, anybody who knows weapons knows that a shoulder fire weapon's more accurate, faster to use under any circumstance than a handgun. Um, but you can do it. I could do it with my Glock. You know, I'd be no, have no problem going against that kid with a Glock, with my Glock in my hands. So, not because I'm just kind of badass, because I have enough training to know that, that I can put, fire, you know, good fire on him, and I know he's probably going to wind up shooting himself when he gets effective fire. That's what they do. Okay. They don't want to get. I, I got to say this, Stuart. I, I really, I really think that uh, President Trump should should call you in, and 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 you should advise him, really, because I, I think well, your ideas are good. Secretary of Arms, go ahead. Well, I, I would, I would prefer to have him bring in some more more experienced police officers. I got guys who are thirty years retired. And here's another thing that should happen: is, is LEOSA, the Law Enforcement Officer Safety Act, was passed right after 9/11 to allow police to carry guns across the country without worrying about running into some stupid local law. Uh, that would stop them. And the reason they wanted them to carry like that is, is, a, is a counterterrorism effort to increase safety. Um, but they're not allowed to do that in schools. So one of my retired cops walking by a school, um, hearing gunfire from inside the school, he runs in to save the kids. He's vulnerable to a felony, which that's absurd. So LEOSA needs to be amended. First thing they should do is amend LEOSA to make sure that retired police officers across the country are covered under LEOSA if they go into a school without school permission. You don't have time to go get administrative permission when the kids are dying. you got to go in and stop the shooting. And they would do it. Every cop I know in Oath Keepers would run right in there, risking prison for, for doing it. But they shouldn't have to risk that. So right, Congress totally fix that. So this, 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 this stuff Congress can do. Congress could easily proactively fix that. Congress could also, if they really want to, along with all the other educational grants that get out you know, by the billions, they could fund SRO officers, school resource officers. You know, They could fund... Uh, training and arming local veterans and, and retired cops and teachers. They could do these things. It can be done. Okay. And one of the objections from the media on this is, you know, more guns are, are going to lead to more crimes that put students, that makes them more vulnerable. And they also misrepresent it by saying, you know, you can't just hand out guns to teachers. Never do they talk about the facts that it should be only for teachers who feel comfortable and will go through the training. But yes, absolutely. Uh, there are uh, very few common sense things that can be done, in, including what you laid out, the veterans uh, and former law enforcement, National Guard, you know, one or two officers per school. And I mean, look at the, the, the money that's spent in these school districts on, on some of the crazy things that they spend it on. You can have uh, the, the fundings there for those uh, resource officers. And who knows? I mean, you got to do something. And banning guns is not going to be the answer. Well, no. Like, I was talking to a reporter yesterday after the NRA banquet I spoke at, and, you know, he's like, well, you know, who needs an AR-15? And I said, look, man, let's just set aside, first of all, the reason we have these things is because we need to retain the power in our hands to be the military force of the nation, to repel invasions, suppress insurrections, and execute the laws of the Union. It's supposed to be the job of the militia. That's us. And the reason why the founders wanted that is because that's necessary for a free state. You can't be free or necessary for the security of a free state. You won't be secure or free without that. So that's the threshold matter. But he said, even if you had a giant magnet and sucked up all the weapons, look at France. The Charlie Hebdo attack on the, you know, the, on the, on the newspaper there was done with AK-47s brought in from Africa that were completely illegal in France. Same goes for the, the attack on the theater and the market that was done, done later, the mass attack, also done with AK-47s brought in from outside of the country and smuggled in. If you outlawed every gun in the country and, and sucked them all up with a giant magnet, I told them the cartels would instantly have a black market from Mexico in, in firearms. They bring them over and sell them on the black market. So if someone wants one, they're going to get one. You're not going to ever, you can't legislate out reality. Reality is weapons exist. They always have and always will. So, you know, but a lot of these people just, you know, they, they, what's really going on is that they hate us 
they fear us. They fear our weapons. They're not so much worried about the active shooter, um, nutball. They're worried about us because we are the political enemies, and they know that what they want to do to us, we're not going to like it. And they, they know that we don't. They don't want us to be armed to be able to show our displeasure with what they have planned for us. It's the bottom line. The bottom line, indeed. And I, I like I like you outlining the bottom line here. So, okay, looking at what happened this weekend with this March for Our Lives, uh, 39 days post-event, it's so well organized. I mean, this is you could not have scripted this better. Uh, money from the Giffords, Gabby Giffords uh, organization, uh, we, we learned, funded in part this march um uh but but what should we uh, the patriots in the united states in our nation what should we do about the gun grabbing that we're seeing or the talk of the gun grabbing or, or the optics here what do we need to do Stuart? we're looking to you for advice and and counsel and by the way Stuart rose oathkeepers.org um visit the site hey there's a, a weapons giveaway there at uh oath keepers uh get in on that support we have a membership special going on now, twenty nine ninety five. If they join between now and April second, they get a, they're running for a Glock or a Life membership, and they'll also be in the running for an AR fifteen. We'll give away a Daniel Defense, Daniel Defense M four on uh, April nineteenth. What should they do? Um, first of all, they should commit to themselves being three percenters, which means we're just not going to back up anymore. Uh, um, every one of these these gun control or, or, or gun limiting Laws are, are so-called laws are actually known what from inception of the Constitution. They're, 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 un, they're unconstitutional. And we just need to commit that we're just not going to comply. So you have to make that decision. Look in the mirror and look in your own heart and make a decision right now that, that you know this is going, guys. You're not ever going to stop. So we have to say this is a line right here, no more. Be willing to commit to resisting it and let them know that this is going to be a fight. And, you know, also recognize that Patrick Henry said that, uh, it's hardly, it's very unlikely we're going to get out of this without a fight. The only way is if they were really seriously convinced that we we're going to have a fight and they back off. But I don't think, I don't think they're going to back off. They're not going to back off. But those leftist, leftist elitists are, are, they're self-delusional. You know, they live in the, the bubble of the Beltway or the bubble of New York City and they think that we're just a bunch of yokels out in flyover country and they don't understand reality. So, um, I think we just need to commit ourselves to understanding that we're probably in for a fight. And, you know, a physical one. And they're just not going to stop. But you got to commit to it. Either you're a free man or you're not. You know, as, as, uh, Zapata said, you know, this was Zapata, the Mexican revolutionary, better look to die on your feet and live on your knees. That's how I feel about it. So I think we all need to realize that this is where we're probably headed. It doesn't mean you abandon political action. You need to organize. You need to fight every inch of the way. And, you know, that's why we're being proactive about getting out there and advocating for real solutions that really work because it shows people the reality. It shows them that here's the actual solution. Everything else you're being told here is not to actually keep the kids safe. It's been meant to disarm you and control you. And there was a wonderful speaker today um, at the uh, at the event we had in, in New Jersey. We talked to a black man talking about the history. Gun control is a 400-year-old program of racist control of people. That's what he said over and over again. And he's right. His first name was Tony. I can't remember his last name. But excellent point. And he said, now they're going to expand the, the, the slavery. The Democratic Party was in charge of slavery over blacks and all, all those all those uh, Jim Crow laws that, that excluded blacks from any firearms. And he said, they're, they're just expanding the plantation, expanding the pool of people they want to have enslaved. And he's right. So don't give them an inch, and don't give them any kind of don't give them any kind of ground by saying, well, you know, yes, it's it's, it's useful for hunting. It's a military weapon of war that's meant to be in your hands for a good reason, so that you can stop either a either a domestic terrorist or internal enemy of the Constitution 
or a foreign enemy. That's what it's for. And a free man must have arms. If you're not armed, you're not free. Don't give in on that. And just get ready. Get yourself fit. I just lost 30 pounds. I was a fat bastard. I got myself in shape. Looked in the mirror and realized I got to get myself back to where I used to be when I was a paratrooper. And now I'm kicking my own ass and getting myself back in shape. Get in shape. Train. Organize. Who's, who's your buddy team? Who's your fire team? Who's your squad? Get yourself squared away and get ready. Because we're in for a fight. You know, founders realize at a certain point that, yes, you have to do political action. You have to do organizing and grassroots efforts. But they also realize a fight's coming and they got ready for it. We need to do the same thing. So what is your line in the sand here? Because, uh, look, I'm fixing for a fight. I'm right there with you. And believe me, I want to be on your side. All right, I look at you, I'm going to be on your side. But what's your line in the sand? Well, I mean, you know, if everyone's, it's, it's, it's different for every individual person. There's going to be a, a moment where an old Vietnam vet, you know, somewhere in New York or Massachusetts or, or Connecticut, they come to get his guns and he just says, nope, you're not having them. You can have them bullets first. That's how it's going to kick off. We'll see. You know, and it's going to be a mess. And it's not anything any of us would should want. As Mike Vanderbilt said, that the founder, the late founder of the Three Percenter Movement, civil wars are horrible. They're horrific. Uh, but there are some things worse than war, you know? True. Submission and slavery is worse than war. And there's some things that are worse than death. Living yep. in servitude and living your grandchildren and your children in servitude is, is far worse than death, you know? So all of us guys that are getting older just realize that, you know, we're, we've run, we're on bonus time. We're lucky that we had the life we had. Yeah. Um, so let go of that. Don't worry about your own skin. Worry about your children and your grandchildren's future and the future of freedom across the world. That's what you have to worry about. But understand who you're up against. You're up against communists. They really are. These are hardcore Marxists, and you can look back at history in the 20th century and look at what Marxists do. Look at the piles of bones in the killing fields of Cambodia. Look at the mass graves in China and Russia. All over the world where communists have taken power, this is what they do. They exterminate their enemies. Look back to Bill Ayers and the Weather Underground and the, the leaked plan they had with the do with the rest, with the rest of us. They could not re-educate. They, they planned on what? Killing, what, three, four million people? Mm-hmm. So this is what they're going to do with you if they win. And they think that if they can manipulate the children enough and win enough in politics, they can pass a law to take away your rights if they believe. They don't believe in natural law. They don't even believe in the Constitution. They believe that once they have raw political power, they can just do what they want. Now, we know different, but we know different only because it's in our hearts. So you gotta get, you gotta instill your own, your own, your own moral, uh, certitude and your own moral conviction that when it comes right down to it, you're going to do what your forefathers did. You know, the guys that fought listening to Green and Concord Bridge, you know? Right. You, know, yeah. you have to do the same thing they did. So get that in your head, get that in your heart, and get squared away. That's all there is to it. Be a three percenter for crying out loud. And mean Amen. Stuart, I'm going to ask you this. Uh, you said a lot of very important things, and one of the things that, uh, one of the battles that we're losing is the battle of language. We have seen just recently how they are, uh, trying to label the students marching against the Second Amendment as a civil rights movement. The same thing that they do with abortion. What, what do you say to that? Because that's the opposite of the civil rights. Civil rights are, the, are the, there to protect they are the protections afforded to us in the Constitution. So when you're opposing that, how is that a civil rights issue? And how can we, well, we, we win back the say, argument? you got to have, we should have a student walk out of conservative students and libertarian students and gun-owning students. And, in fact, we should do that right away. In fact, we should just pick a day. Let's just pick April 19th. Let's call for a national, I'm going to do it. Let's call for a national walkout of students on April 19th. I pick a different day. 
the it's show. The, uh, Columbine anniversary. So it's, well, it's also yeah. the anniversary. Also the anniversary of Lexington Concord. There you, you go. Sure? Okay. There. Columbine. Are you sure about that? I'm pretty sure. It's either the nineteenth well, or twentieth. All the better. All the better, because what they should be doing is marching and saying, "We need to have someone in the school armed to protect us." So you want to protect us? You want to march for our lives? Put our retired cops and military in the schools. The, tra- the teachers who are willing to train, willing to train to do it, the retired police and military teachers especially, let them carry guns, get them qualified, do the background checks, do the mental health checks, and get them armed so they can carry inside the schools. That's what they should be demanding. Yes. So, you know, don't set ground. Don't say, oh, we can't do it on that day. No, no, no. The, you know, I, I've been watching too much CNN. I've been watching too much CNN, and I, I was wrong. Yeah. It was on the 20th, but I was thinking. You know, uh, oh, on that day, this is exactly what they're going to say. You know, neo Nazis hold gun rights on. So, but I was wrong on the day. Yeah, uh, no. It, it, even if it was that day, bring it. That's exactly the point. You want to stop this? This is the only solution. It's a no-brainer. The only way to get the kids um, to reduce the killing is to increase the response time. When the average response time of a cop to get to the school is 12 minutes, and the average active shooter is done in five minutes, what's that tell you? You have to have the cop in the school or somebody else who's trained and qualified in the school waiting and ready to put a bullet in that guy's head when he comes to the door. That's the only friggin' answer, as the Israelis figured out. You can look at pictures of little Israeli women teachers running around with M1 carbines slung over their shoulders and, and men with their, with their, with their uh, pistols on their hips. That is the only solution that works. Amen. That's exactly why the politicos have armed bodyguards. They don't call 911 and wait for a cop to get there to stop attack on them. They have a bodyguard right there with a gun because they know it's what works. They're a bunch of freaking hypocrites. So don't let them off the hook. Point that out. The kids, I mean, I hate to say it, but they're frankly useful idiots. You know, they're brainwashed and believing that this is the only thing that can work, and they're not showing any alternative. So they're ignorant. I wouldn't call them idiots, but I would call them. This is what they, what the actual elites think of them, though. But I would call them ignorant. I, I, I agree. And, and okay, you know what? Um, I'm with you on this. April 19th this year is a Thursday, so yeah. let's do it. I'll promote it. We'll promote yeah. it here on this platform. It's your initiative, right? You you, you want to call for a walkout? Uh, uh, on... Call for a walkout of, of, of uh, students who disagree with 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 disarming, you know, violating our right to bear arms, and instead want to have retired cops, retired military, and the qualified and trained teachers who want to go through the training. Duh, to be able to carry guns in the schools to defend them, you know. Or they can be with holsters. They can be in lock boxes. All kinds of ways to handle this. Hey, Stuart, uh, 100% behind you. Uh, of course, graduated from law, uh, Yale Law School back in '04. He is the man behind Oathkeepers. Oathkeepers.org. Uh, I'll tell you what. Can I uh, at Oathkeepers on Twitter? At Oathkeepers on Twitter. I am going to purchase the uh, proper membership for everyone sitting in this studio today. We've got four people here going to be That's doing good. that. All right, well, and I appreciate it. We need to, we need to support Stuart Rhodes. And uh, hey, let's uh, let, let's let's change. Let's take control of the narrative. April nineteenth this year. Let's well, also, walk April fourteenth is a, is a nationwide um, demonstration. Every call, every uh, every capital of the nation, and all all the states go to that too. April 14th. April 14th as well. All right, Mr. Rhodes, thank you so very much for your gracious gift of time tonight. May God bless you, keep you, and uh, we'll be promoting uh, your initiatives. Thank you. Network break, folks.
are making history. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, Stuart Rhodes, after the segment, said, yeah, let's do it. Let's call it. Uh, I'm going to tell you something. We are making history. I believe we can change the course of this nation by becoming involved, getting involved. You know, no longer will the left, the progressive fascist, liberal fascist, control the narrative. We will control the narrative. You know, we might have to, uh, for a time, play in their sandbox. But I'll tell you what. Ain't nobody going to be kicking sand in my face. We are going to be doing the sand kicking. In in the in the of course speaking metaphorically, you know this is the way it is. Uh, it, it, of course, you can't be, say anything against David Hogg. My goodness, you're a bully. Oh, how bully! You know what a bully you are. And then you've got the uh, and I'm sorry to say this. I I really am. Uh, but the conservatives and the conservative Christians who are so self righteous that they, in fact, are their own enemy. But uh, I digress. Hey, we've got a a powerful next segment lined up for you with Peter Barry Chowka. Now, before we get to Peter, let me me ask a question. I had a situation today where I had to go into a a bank, and uh, uh, bankers hate me, by the way, but I had to discuss something. It it was about an issue um, that we had, and and we were talking, and and the, the, the bank manager looked at me and says, well, what about your credit card rates and such? And I said, you know what, what, what what's your credit card consolidation uh, uh, plan and, and such? Anyway, make a long story short, I couldn't believe what I was reading. I couldn't believe what I, what I was seeing. Now, this, about a month ago, after my wife's niece, Kathy, after a uh, divorce, was able to consolidate her credit card debt into a low, in, into, in, into a, um, uh, a credit card consolidation loan, because of a divorce, and I mean, it was just nasty. But the bottom line is, there was one company that really stepped up and helped my wife's niece. And compared to what I heard today, this company is gold, and that's Lightstream. If you haven't heard about this, check this out, Lightstream. Uh, go to lightstream.com slash Hagman for details. But l- let me tell you about this. You don't need to be an expert to know that consolidating debt into a low fixed rate can save you money. And, and average interest rates on credit cards debt credit card debt, you're looking at about 17% APR. Have you looked at your interest rate lately? Now, we've got the smartest, most intelligent audience in the world. That's my belief. And it only makes sense to get the lowest rate possible and to do consolidation loans. It only makes sense. Credit card consolidation loan, fixed interest rates as low as 5.49% APR with auto pay backed by rate beat program. Now listen to this. Lightstream will beat any qualifying interest rate presented by any other lender. You could save thousands of dollars in interest and no fees. I'm talking about lightstream.com slash Hagman. Now they offer loans from $5,000 to $100,000. Lightstream will plant a tree for every loan that funds. That's right. You heard me correctly. You can choose your funding date as soon as the same day. The best thing about this is the application is 100% online. That's, in my view, that's the best thing. It's it's simple. It's easy uh, to do for those with with uh, better than average credit in my view you can this is this is what you need to really get your financial house in order so here's the deal apply today and get an additional interest rate discount on top of lightstream's already low rates the only way 
for our listeners with good credit to get this special interest rate discount is to go to lightstream.com slash Hagman. That's lightstream.com slash Hagman. Let me spell that for you. This is so important, I want to spell it for you. It is L-I-G-H-T, like light, stream, S-T-R-E-A-M. That's lightstream, all smushed together, dot com slash Hagman. And slash Hagman, that's the important part of this. you got to check this out. Look, of course... This is subject to credit approval. Rate includes 0.50% auto pay discount available only when you select auto pay prior to loan funding. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. So do this today. Do it today. Do it as soon as the program is over. Visit lightstream.com slash Hagman for important information about limits on Lightstream loans, same day funding, and rate beat program it's a it's a good company i've got to tell you it's a good company helped my my uh, wife's niece out tremendously and based on what i saw today with my own eyes just in conversation with a with a bank manager wow this is a good deal lightstream.com slash hagman so having said that every monday we have uh peter barry chowka on pete chowka on twitter that's at pete chowka on twitter we have him on to discuss issues about the media, about uh, the various things. Of course, he's got an article on HagmanReport.com. Joe, he's, he's got uh, something today, I believe. And, uh, folks, you, you've got you've to really take, take a look at what he offers in terms of his assessment on the media. You know, we yeah. want, uh, look at the landscape. L- look at what did we just witness this weekend. We saw nothing but wall-to-wall coverage. Uh, about this march for our lives, this su- supposed spontaneous organic movement, how MSNBC and CNN treated this, and then and then we saw, of course, what did we see last night? Stormy Daniels, uh, in sixty minutes, and then of course, Which what's is the real issue? Story. Yeah, exactly. But what's the real issue with us is to dissect all of this and more. Is Peter Barry Chaka? Peter, thanks for coming on. Thank you, Doug. Evening to you both, and uh, it's good to see you again Yes. after last week's throwback audio-only program. And joining us tonight, I hope she's in view, is uh, Miss Lulu on my left, uh, enjoying some catnip. You can see a bit of her there. And uh, Biggie, the other member of the household, is feeling a little under the weather, so he won't be joining us tonight, I don't think. Well, we see him, Peter, on your I, wooden chair right yeah. over your right shoulder. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just just above the couch level. But I, I think you, there he is. I think you took a pinch, you know, just just a pinch between the cheek and gum of some catnip, Peter. I, rumor has it you're into that, so uh, that's all right. Believe me, I could, I could use something that uh, on the order of what it does for them after this last week in the news, but uh, we'll have a chance to get to that. But uh, I wanted to mention actually some potentially breaking news. Uh, ten minutes ago, I got an email from one of my contacts at Fox News in New York calling my attention to a new article at foxnews.com, which was just posted and was discussed on Martha McCallum's show. And the title of it is, American Who Escaped Al-Qaeda Captivity Says FBI Under Mueller and Comey Betrayed Him. Now, I don't want to read the whole article or quote extensively from it. I had a chance to skim it. And there's an individual, an American, who is uh, taken captive and tortured by al-Qaeda 
and the FBI, rather than, according to him, taking steps to help uh, to uh, rescue him, instead allowed uh, al-Qaeda to go forward because they drained his bank accounts and bought computers and tablets with the stolen money from this uh, victim. And the FBI thought it'd be better to be able to track that material than to help this American. And since he was released and returned to the United States, he's been trying to get answers from the FBI and from Comey in particular, and he's gotten nowhere. So now Fox News is on the story in an exclusive broken by Catherine Herridge and two of her colleagues. So um, definitely look for that article and check it out. It looks like it could be interesting as we attempt to complete the profile of James Comey. He's certainly going to be making a big splash in the very near future when his best-selling book comes out and he's on his book tour and hyping himself and giving his side of the story. But, uh, you know, this mm-hmm. this story could be a very interesting uh, comp- complement to whatever Comey has to say. But Indeed. American, again, this is on Fox, uh, foxnews.com. Uh, American who escaped Al-Qaeda captivity says FBI under Mueller and Comey betrayed him. Yes, and no. it's right there by Catherine Herridge, who's just a fantastic reporter. Yep, and Sean Hannity uh, with with Catherine, also with Sarah Carter, and he had Louis Gohmert on. Louis Gohmert has Robert Mueller's number, and he has pointed out dozens of uh, you know big problems with Robert Mueller uh, all throughout his career, and some of those you know removing the terrorist manuals from uh, the FBI, removing terrorist references from the FBI training manuals, his involvement in Uranium One. We detailed last week his involvement in the Whitey Bulger Boston Mafia case. Uh, he oversaw the 9-11 cover-up. And then James Comey, he was in charge of the FBI when the FBI allowed a terrorist attack to happen in Garland, Texas, which the FBI is now being sued uh, because they allowed this to happen and the person was shot. The FBI, uh, day by day, loses more and more credibility, if they even had any left. But it's been a terrible few years for them in the PR department. Yes, the news, the real story is finally trickling out about the FBI and about Messrs. Comer, uh, Comey and Mueller, so we shall see what we shall see in the weeks ahead. I wanted to begin tonight with uh, a bit of a wide-angle view, just to pull the lens back for a minute, because I've had, in, the, in this last week especially, of really insane news, um, I felt... Uh, pretty much that we've gone over the edge again, not that I haven't felt that previously, but I keep thinking we hit bottom and we we keep going lower and lower, and this week it just really got to me with all of the stories that I was reporting on, publishing articles on, and paying attention to. But uh, just to roll it back to Friday when one of your guests, Patrick Wood, was on, and I paid very close attention to that hour which I highly recommend to anyone listening or watching this who didn't hear it to look for that podcast because he's one of my favorite analysts. And I I got on to Patrick very early uh, after he and his mentor, Anthony Sutton, published a book called Trilaterals Over Washington in 1978. And I read it as soon as it came out because I'd covered the rise of Jimmy Carter to power. And in 1975, it was revealed that Jimmy Carter, who was obviously destined to become president, he had been selected from on high, 
uh, it became known that he was a member of this mysterious and previously never heard of organization, the Trilateral Commission, which at that point, 1975, was two years old. So there was some initial reporting about this uh, David Rockefeller, uh, Zbigniew Brzezinski allied a globalist group in the alternative press of that time in the mid-1970s. So I, I paid special attention to Woods and Sutton's book when it came out in 78, because I think it was probably the first one about the Trilateral Commission. So anyway, last Friday during his hour, which I found absolutely riveting, and I felt like I was having an epiphany listening to it, because his explanation in the big, broad picture of what we are seeing, what we're experiencing, what the big uh, century-long agenda is here, is the rise of technocracy and a scientific dictatorship. So these skirmishes that we cover, that we report on, that we pay attention to are exactly that. They are skirmishes in a war of attrition that's been going on for close to a century now, and I think he really nailed it in that hour that he did with you on Friday. But one thing in particular, he, uh, in the course of his discussion, he quoted and mentioned a, uh, a globalist uh, poobah of the present, a really hot character, a kind of academic, pop intellectual globalist who's on the super fast track. Reminded me of somebody like uh, uh, on CNN there, that uh, Fareed uh, Zakaria, Fareed Zakaria. You know, a, a character like that who's from the third world, but who got the push, who got the ticket, who has the education, and is now doing the bidding of his masters. So Patrick Wood mentioned this individual, Dr. Parakh Khanna, and I looked him up. I found him online, P-A-R-A-G-K-H-A-N-N-A, and Patrick quoted a line from... Kana's latest book, get the title of this, Connectography, Mapping the Future of Global Civilization. And I found that book available of all places on Google Books. It had either most or all of that book available. And I, I tracked down this quote that Patrick mentioned on the show. And this is a quote from this character, Parak Kana. Quote, we are building this global society without a global leader. Global order is something that can no longer be dictated or controlled from the top down. Globalization is itself the order. End quote. Now, when I heard that, it totally resonated with me because I interpreted that in, in one way as suggesting that there, it's no longer a requirement that some cabal sit at the top somewhere, you know, whether it's the Illuminati, uh, wh whoever you want to mention, the Bilderbergers, uh, certainly these, these individuals and groups have an influence, but they have, they and their cohorts have so perfected the system of uh, control of everything and debasement of everything in our modern world that it's pretty much on automatic pilot. It's off and running. And, and globalization now, which we can call it that, is itself the order. So no matter who is the leader of any country, uh, president of the United States, uh, World Bank, at any given time, it doesn't matter because he or she is supported 
up and down the line in virtually every profession and every area of, of endeavor by this new world order, global order that has trained this new cadre since birth. We see that now in the activities of what we call the shadow government and the deep state. That is one element of it. And one reason that this rang a bell for me is that, as you know, and I've talked about this before and written about it, including recently, for a, a large part of my career as an investigative journalist, I was uh, looking at and researching very thoroughly the medical-industrial complex. And that name is significant because we started using that name, myself and a few colleagues, in the 1970s. We, of course, knew what President Eisenhower said in identifying the military-industrial complex in his farewell speech in 1961, and that term was somewhat in use in the 60s and 70s. But when we started to look at Medicine, Inc., Big Medicine, uh, it, it reflected in so many ways a medical industrial complex, basically a permanent war economy like the military, but instead medical care. And uh, it's useful to quote Ivan Illich in 1976, who wrote a book called Medical Nemesis, thoroughly researched, and he said in that book that the medical system or the medical establishment is the greatest threat to our health. So to make a long story short, I remember specifically in the year 1980 when I was discussing on a television talk show, in fact, that I was appearing on, along with a colleague of mine, the late Robert DeBraga. Bob was uh, one of the best and smartest people I ever worked with on issues of health care and uh, demystifying the war on cancer. Bob was diagnosed with cancer, and he had been an executive with Raytheon Corporation, but he, after his diagnosis uh, and his 10-month prognosis, decided he didn't want to die, so he went out and searched for an alternative non-toxic therapy, found several of them, and he actually survived for 13 years after diagnosis, 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 which was quite an achievement for someone in 1978 who was given 10 months to live. Anyway, in 1980, we're doing a talk show in Boston debating several medical doctors, because the Fairness Doctrine was in effect then, and if Somebody like me went on a program to say my piece about Medicine, Inc. Uh, the program felt it legally required, necessary to have a physician on there who would represent the other side. So we're de debating these doctors, and Bob stopped and said, uh, because one of the doctors accused us as uh, saying, well, you guys are saying there's a conspiracy here to suppress and I said, no, we never said the word conspiracy. We never used that. that. That's not what we're saying. But interesting that they would always label us as conspiracy theorists back in 1980 or even before. That term, of course, was created by the CIA in the 1960s to disparage anybody who had a different point of view about something in the establishment. But So um, Bob rose to that point and said, no, we're not saying conspiracy. We're saying that a system has been established so that it doesn't take a conspiracy anymore. It simply takes all the cogs in the wheel of the medical establishment to keep this edifice rolling, this multi-trillion dollar a year medical industrial complex. And uh, there isn't somebody sitting at the top, moving the levers, calling the shots, blacklisting people. 
everybody who's in that system has been educated, uh, so, well, selected, educated, and uh, groomed to do the dirty work. So when I heard Patrick Wood articulate this now on a global scale, this is what is happening. It just, it really was an epiphany. And I wanted to give him tremendous credit. And by the way, since then, I checked out his latest podcast, uh, which I would also highly recommend. This is in 20 minutes, it's the best summary I have ever heard in one place of, well, here's the title of it, Technocracy's War to Conquer the World. He had obviously prepared this podcast. It sounded like uh, he was reading it, but it was very well delivered, and it was absolutely brilliant. That's at his uh, website, technocracy.news, his latest podcast. So. I was thinking about that in the context of all the news I've been reporting on in the past week. And as you know, I've dropped several major articles. Last Monday when I was on, on the audio-only night, that day uh, American Thinker had published my article on Fox News and the Civil War breaking out at Fox News. And that got a lot of attention including at Fox News, where they read these articles that I publish very, very closely, and they called someone to account uh, for allegedly giving me quotes which were unattributed in that article, and hopefully that didn't, uh, that worked out okay. But two days later, I, uh, I published an article which I just uploaded to the Hagman Report Today, so it would be fresh and new, and it is still fresh and new, and it's about CNN. It's about uh, the desperation of CNN that has led them to upend their prime time schedule. And I actually found out about this because a source of mine at Fox News, who shall remain unnamed, called my attention to something that happened last Tuesday morning on CNN on their morning program, New Day, in which the host, and I thought he was the guest host at that point, John Berman, had on the phone a student from a Maryland high school that was under lockdown because of a live shooter. And Berman, the host at CNN, with this uh, young man or boy on the phone, and uh, apparently you could hear the gunfire in the background, was trying to keep him on the phone even after the police were evacuating the students, which was a total no-no on so many levels. But this sort of tidbit of, uh, again, a thing that CNN did, which was really not kosher, led me to the uh, to, to understand, yes, there's John Berman. Of course, that's not how he looks on CNN. That's one of his Instagram photos mm-hmm. from just less than two years ago. But he is a real... Character. He fits mm-hmm. right in with the CNN model of these arrogant, uh, holier-than-now punks who populate their channel. So anyway, I learned that he, uh, is, that's now his permanent show, the morning show, to co-host with Allison Camerata. So uh, what happened to uh, he, Cuomo? He used to be on with uh, Poppy Harlow. Uh, right, he moved, he's moving from the Poppy Harlow show a little bit later in the morning there. And she's a piece of work as well, yeah. Poppy Harlow. But, yeah, now he's going to get uh, very soon 
the morning show to himself with Alison Camerata. So what's happening to Chris Cuomo, the golden boy of the morning there? Well, Chris Cuomo, the 47-year-old son of the late New York leftist Governor Mario Cuomo, and also there's Chris, and Chris's brother is Andrew Cuomo, the current governor of New York, who is uh, making moves to run for president in 2020. He wants to get the Democratic nomination. So there's another nightmare to be concerned about. Uh, Anyway, Chris is going to move to prime time, 9 p.m. Eastern, right in the middle of prime time, to challenge Rachel Maddow and, and Sean Hannity, the two ratings leaders. Now, at the moment, Anderson Cooper, AC360, is holding down that hour. It's his second hour of two that Anderson Cooper has had for the past, I don't know, decade or so. So he's being cut back to one hour. Mario Cuomo is being advanced to prime time. And uh, this is this is a rather big deal. And I quote in my article there, I don't have it actually in front of me now, but uh, one of the poobahs of CNN kind of putting down Anderson and saying, well, we need some fresh ideas here or a fresh concept, so we're going with, uh, with Chris Cuomo. Well, how is AC360 supposed to feel? So in putting this article together, which uh, went online at American Thinker on Wednesday and on the Hagman Report today, I wound up because of my curiosity, uh, reminding myself of who is Anderson Cooper, where is he coming from, and what's he all about, as well as Cuomo, too. But I was more interested in Anderson, because Anderson Cooper, if you've dialed this back 15 years, he was the most recent golden boy of CNN. Uh, He had proven himself in the floodwaters of uh, New Orleans with Katrina, you know, with the mic and the live broadcasting and the uh, uh, sympathy and empathy for those who were hurting because of Katrina. And before you knew it, he had a primetime show. So uh, he has a very interesting background, and I don't know if Eric has on the screen there from my uh, – well, actually, I, I put an article up at Hagman Report today of, of what Anderson Cooper was doing with himself about uh, maybe – 25 or 30 years ago now when he was a male model. So this was before the CIA, working with the CIA. Yes, because he, uh, well, that's that's the flattering shot of him. But uh, before we close, uh, there's a more recent shot. He's still obviously uh, modeling. That was when he, there was a feature of him on him, Anderson Cooper, the fearless in a publication called Italian Vogue in 2014. This guy is still a clothes horse. And I guess we have to feel some sympathy for him because it was reported recently that he had recently broken up with his uh, live-in boyfriend of the last nine years. So, you know, he's being dumped on right now between that and uh, losing an hour of his primetime show. But, yes, he did intern it is said, with the CIA for several summers when he was in college at Yale University. And, of course, Yale is a bastion of uh, CIA uh, wannabes and and future CIA agents. And, you know, it's often been said that once with the CIA, always with the CIA. You know, you you never really retire from the CIA. So 
I'll let others do. I mean, if you want to, oh, there's a there's Anderson, another shot from his modeling career, and uh, I have to say he looked a lot better in the previous model shot of him. So this one is probably a little bit earlier when he was uh, just starting out. He probably looks like he's in his mid-teens there. But, uh, you know, you know Peter, are... I just want to say this. There are some very interesting uh, photographs of Cooper in the context of what is known to be uh, the debunked, uh, discredited conspiracy theory of Pizzagate. Uh, if you look hard enough, you can find those those pictures, and, and it's very interesting what's in the background. I'm, that's all I'll say. So there's also weird ones with his yeah, mother too. That yeah, a lot there, of people there make are a big deal of. No. Yeah. Well, again, you know, for people, for citizen journalists and interested citizens who want to look into these things very quickly now, thanks to the internet, you can find reliable and verifiable information on all of these people who are giving us the news. And that's why I looked into this. Not, he's, he's not a private person, Anderson Cooper. He holds himself, in fact, it's, uh, I found a quote from a, a CNN poobah about 15 years ago when Anderson was getting the push into prime time and he was going to be the one. And he's been the face of that channel pretty much ever since. All he seems, his star is fading now. but. I found a quote from a, a CIA, I mean a CIA, a CNN bigwig at the time who was praising Anderson Cooper to the high heavens and saying he is going to be the face of modern media. He's the one who's going to give us the news and tell us the story. So, you know, where are these people coming from? I mean, on, on the level of a Andrew or a, a Chris Cuomo, Basically, he's, he's a Democrat Party hack, in my opinion. His entire family are Democrat politician hacks who still are in office or want to ascend to higher office. And how can you even begin to trust someone like that? Now, without leaving Anderson behind before we comment on uh, the uh, really noteworthy work that he did this past week, on Thursday night... He, of course, uh, spent the two hours of his current AC360 show interviewing and then uh, discussing uh, Karen McDougal, who claims to have had a 10-month intimate relationship with Donald Trump starting in 2006. And that, of course, led up to the previously recorded uh, and shown last night on 60 Minutes. Oh, and there's Karen McDougal from her, uh, either her Twitter or her Facebook. I can't read the print, but uh, one of those social media. Uh, and then last night, of course, we were uh, subjected to Stormy Daniels. There's Miss Daniels from 60 Minutes for uh, almost a half hour. And then endless discussion and replays of that. In fact, I was looking for a transcript of the New Day show this morning that Anderson was a guest on with Chris Cuomo still hosting, and I thought that must have been interesting. Uh, Anderson welcomed to that show by his successor-to-be, basically. But Anderson was discussing how he got the interview with Stormy Daniels, and of course it was because uh, Stormy's lawyer, Alvinetti, uh, this character who's all over the media now, this ambulance chaser who's another Democrat hack, in my opinion, based on his past 
career work, uh, he contacted uh, Anderson's producer. There he is, the attorney that you'll see all over the place now. Uh, and so this was kind of an inside job. They knew, Stormy and the attorney knew that AC 360 or on 60 Minutes would give them a very uh, warm reception as they did. And it, it's really not worth deconstructing those two interviews. I mean, they they were so depressing as I watched them on so many fronts. And I, I kept thinking to myself that, again, we have hit rock bottom but we know it's not rock bottom because we're continually on a slippery slope down to the next depth. And uh, this can actually be quite depressing when you're doing the kind of work that I do and trying to ferret out this information and, and you have to really get down with it and it's toxic and it, it really builds up in your system after a while like, like a, a toxic uh, assault. And uh, t- to see the media, 95% of the media fawning over this story. Thursday night, Anderson Cooper won the night in the ratings. I think uh, CNN had one of its highest ratings that night in recent memory. Then last night, 60 Minutes had at least 22 million listeners, their high or viewers, their highest rating in 10 years. And you know what the previous high was right before that? The first interview after he was elected with Barack Hussein Obama, who got three million more viewers in the early tally than Stormy Daniels did last night. <laughs> and there's some there's some uh, interesting complementarity there, I think. Uh, and also on Saturday, you know, we're talking about the uh, the march on on Saturday, MSNBC, which cover the march wall-to-wall on Saturday, as did CNN and as did Fox News. Those latter two just couldn't compete with MSNBC. And MSNBC on Saturday, because of the march, had its highest ratings in 15 years. So there's gold in them their hills when you cover this kind of stuff. There is an audience for it, and that is an element of concern because the audience for actually the truth seems to be much smaller. By the way, just as a footnote, I don't know if you saw the report on uh, Barack Hussein Obama and what he said at a speaking engagement in Japan. Oh, yeah. Do you see that? Uh, the the uh, article from The Guardian UK was titled, Obama wants to create a million young Barack Obamas. He related this to the foundation that he has started to train uh, uh, red guards, I would call them, to go out there and uh, communize the country and the world. And he said that he hopes that in the process of this, he and his wife, Michelle Obama, can create a thousand, ten thousand, a hundred thousand, one million Barack Hussein Obama's and Michelle Obama's, in effect, cloning themselves with all of their uh, transformation attitudes intact so that they can finish the work that he started. Now, I'm certainly not a uh, qualified psychiatrist, but 
Can you imagine if Donald Trump was quoted as saying something like that? I mean, the, this just screams megalomania and, and sociopathy, if not worse. But people can look for the articles for themselves. It's, it's an interesting read, but I, I wouldn't well, suggest w- watching the video because that is truly sickening. Puke alert on that. Most people <laughs> couldn't even stand one Barack Obama. I don't see the cloned million versions doing all that well, uh, especially not out in the world. But no, you're right. The ego, the 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 narcissism, the uh, it's sad. Yeah, and I wanted to return briefly before I finish with him. This uh, Dr. Parak Khanna, the author that Patrick Wood cited, and. Kana's book being Kanakdography, Mapping the Future of Global Civilization, because he is, is uh, he's one of these supermen wunderkinds who's everywhere, tra- he's constantly in motion, traveling, and yet he's also publishing everywhere. Just in the last uh, couple of weeks, I found three major articles attributed to him. And I mean, let's face it, there's there, there's no way that one person, one human being, no matter how smart he is or well-organized he is, can do everything, in my opinion, that this character is being credited with. But on February 16th, uh, he had an article, he gives his prescription for democracy, which basically he says we need to end democracy and and substitute uh, technocracy and globalization. Another article, Switzerland and Singapore are the role models for the future. February 18th, two days after the other article. And by the way, he left out Red China, which is a third spoke in his axis of evil there. Then on March 13th, he had an article, there's a new Secretary of State. Who cares? Sorry, Washington, the world doesn't need you anymore. He's basically charting a worldview, which is prolifically published in a lot of the media here, in which the United States no longer plays a predominant role because it no longer deserves uh, a prominent role, especially because of the president of the United States that we now have. So in earlier times, in my opinion, somebody like this would be considered an enemy of the state, and instead he is welcomed, uh, given accolades, awards, publications, speaking engagements, uh, speaks at universities all over the world and is the man in motion. So I would say look out for him. And uh, another thing I came across here, if I can find my note on this, uh, I've, I've been, yes, I've been delving into, uh, again, Real Clear Politics, a website which I highly recommend again. Oh, yeah, that's a great site, Peter. And it's a fabulous site. It's broken and down it, in so many ways. Uh, it's, it, any which way from video to text to all the different uh, uh, niches, you know, history, economy, etc. And it's all the, the best publications gathered in one place each and every day. It's really the state-of-the-art thinking of those who are actually publishing. You know, if, you're, if your cup of tea is truly alternative journalism or citizen journalism, you're not going to find it there that often. But obviously... It's anticipated that you complement anything you read or see or watch with a dose of alternative new media from the Internet. But as far as a mainstream sound uh, platform that aggregates news, 
from the left and the right, conservative and left. Uh, I don't know of a better one. And and the conservative uh, articles that they find uh, are from fairly mainstream, but not always frequently read publications, are really, really excellent to get a grounding in some of the best and best informed thinking of our times. So uh, they were they were pointing to they were linking to articles. Well, one of them is by this character Richard Haas, president of the Council on Foreign Relations, and previously he served as director of policy planning for the U.S. State Department and was George W. Bush's special envoy to Northern Ireland. By the way, he worked at the State Department under Bush too. Here he is, president of the Council on Foreign Relations, the CFR. He has a new article which was linked from Real Clear Politics called The Liberal World Order. And this is the name that these globalists at the CFR the trilaterals uh, are giving, and their ilk, are giving to what they used to call the New World Order starting in the 90s or whatever else they've called it since then. Now, this is, this is the new buzzword, the liberal world order. And, and they are writing how, uh, especially in Europe and in Asia to some extent, they're keeping the flame of the liberal world order alive because the flame is in danger of going out here because of Donald Trump and his bitter clingers who are clinging to the the racist, prejudiced past, and they're just unwilling to have themselves taken into the 21st technocratic century. So it's really interesting to plug into this state-of-the-art stuff and to try to figure it out and understand it, because to critique it, you have to know it. So uh, thank you, Real Killer Politics, for helping to point the way to that kind of stuff. To critique it, you have to know it. I like that statement, and I think that that. Thank you. To 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 critique it, you have to know it, and and that uh, reminds me of so many people who are uneducated in certain things, attempting to critique. Uh, politics or whatever the subject might be, having no clue of the of the context or of the history of the of the issue that they're citing. So it's very interesting. And Thank real you. clear politics, Peter. Uh, one of the things I do like about it is it isn't biased to one side or the other. It brings uh, what they what the editor believes is the best articles from both sides of the political aisle and throws them all onto the site. Right, and it was founded by uh, well, one of the key founders is Tom Bevan. And he is a right-of-center individual with a lot of credibility. And from time to time, he appears as one of the uh, panelists on the 6 p.m. Eastern Time Fox News daily program, news program, anchored by Brett Baer. And Bevan usually acquits himself very well there. You know, he's he's uh, an objective, but I think right-of-center, obje- an objective analyst with right-of-center sympathies, which puts him in pretty good company with uh, the founders of the Fox News channel, if not most of or many of the people working there now. Uh, I want to mention, too, briefly this uh, series that Fox News has just introduced uh, last night, and I wrote an article or uploaded an article about this at Hagman Report yesterday, and it's still on the front page. 
and it's about a uh, the season three of Legends and Lies. This is going to be a 12-part series on Sunday nights at Fox News, and the subject is the Civil War. And uh, they didn't give this much preliminary hype or announcement. It wasn't even announced until the middle of last week. The prior two seasons of this program, which totaled 22 episodes, were executive produced and very by and very closely closely associated with Bill O'Reilly, who of course is persona non grata at Fox News now after he was let go last April. So there's no identification with him now. And the format of this weekly program is largely, but not exclusively, reenactments. And normally I'm not a great fan fan of reenactments in uh, docu-series, as they're now calling this genre. But uh, in the bits of it that I saw last night, I didn't see the whole hour, it's, uh, it's a heavy dose of what was happening leading up to the Civil War. So I think it's worth checking out if, if people have an aversion to something that's overly violent, they might uh, be very careful, but it looks like it's going to be an interesting series. We'll see. And they also in, they include uh, input from academics and uh, other experts, so it's uh, it, it has some credibility behind it. Meanwhile, what I did watch last night very closely was part three of six of a series on CNN again. This one is uh, The Kennedys. And... Uh, for the nth time now, we're getting the story of the Kennedys. <laughs> yeah, I learned that that picture was taken on supposedly, reportedly, on the night or early morning, I should say, that JFK was declared winner against Richard Nixon uh, in November 1960 in that very, very close election. So there's his extended family posing. And uh, the one whose face you can't see, I guess, is Jackie, who has her head turned looking at Jack. But... Uh, that program is interesting on a variety of levels. Uh, it, it's a hagiographic portrait, meaning that it uh, it glosses over and builds up its subjects, the Kennedys, without really delving too deeply into the dark side of Camelot. An example, Joseph P. Kennedy, the founder of the family, who was, it has been reported widely, uh, involved a little too closely with uh, organized crime early in his career, probably made some or a lot of his money in illegal activities in the 1930s or 20s and 30s during which prohibition was in effect, who had multiple serial um, adulterous relationships more or less openly with movie stars of the era, including uh Gloria Swanson, and yet uh, this is completely glossed over in this documentary series, and isn't that interesting in light of what's come out in the last week, the allegations against Donald Trump in his personal life. Now, that when they got to JFK, they did have to mention that uh, he did have some serious health problems, but it's it really is not the whole story, but one interesting thing about this series is uh, the producer's had access for the first time supposedly anywhere uh, the original color home movies that the Kennedy family uh, posed for starting in the 1930s. Uh, Joe Kennedy Sr. was a PR expert, so he gave the nannies, the security people, and members of his family state-of-the-art 
movie cameras and they shot film of their play, their goings on, you know, their fun. So there's a lot of that in this documentary, and and it is an interesting look. Uh, in a different way at the Kennedy family. And I'll be curious to see what they do when they get to the assassination, which will probably be in part four, maybe part five, part four coming up next Sunday. And then, of course, after that, Chappaquiddick with uh, Senator Ted Kennedy, the lion of the Senate, who was responsible pretty much directly for the death of Mary Jo Kopechny, in July 1969 when he drove his car with her in it off Dyke Bridge on Chappaquiddick Island, Massachusetts and he got at most a minor slap on the wrist and had to do probation for leaving the scene of an accident and that that case is so outrageous it just makes me ill to even think back to it but uh, that will be coming up again and um, I wanted to. Uh, oh, another thing I've been looking into with the with the uh, the march, the children's march on Saturday, and also hearing a lot of the students interviewed. You know, what do they think about the Constitution, the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, and basically a lot of them are into uh, shredding these documents which have kept our constitutional republic going since year one. There, and, and it seems to me. Did yes. you hear David Hogg? If you stand with the NRA, you stand for the death of children. If you stand for the Second Amendment, you stand for the death of children. And they will not stop, they will not rest, until every American can feel safe when all guns are banned. That's how about, snippet. Joe, how about at the end of Hogg's speech on the mall in Washington on Saturday, he gave a raised fit fist salute, which to many looked exactly like a Nazi salute. And this was accompanied by some, something that came out of his mouth uh, about, you know, the revolution starts here. That's a paraphrase. In the, the armbands, don't forget about those. This character and these characters are, are scary. And they, they are the stalking horses of this children's army, which reminds me of the Maoist Red Guards that started in 1966 in Communist Red China. And I've been uh, reminding myself through reading online over the weekend what they were all about. And there are some significant parallels with the Cultural Revolution that was advanced by the millions of children and young people who constituted the Maoist Red Guards in Red China in 1960 and basically overthrew what was left of any kind of tradition in China which had survived uh, from pre-1949 when the Maoist Communist Revolution took over mainland China. And I think you can draw not an exact but an analogous parallel to what's going on in this country since the 1960s when the forces of darkness, the communists, the socialists, the collectivists, the globalists, the terrorists like the Weather Underground and, and their entire ilk targeted the youth uh, as the way that they were going to transform the society. Now, a good example is uh, unrepentant terrorist uh, Bill Ayers 
who was underground. He was wanted by the FBI for a decade. He finally surfaced in the 80s, but the charges had to be thrown out because the FBI apparently violated his constitutional rights. So what did Bill Ayers and some of his compatriots do? They didn't return to community organizing or domestic terrorism. They got advanced degrees and wormed themselves in to academia at the university level. And there were there was a cadre of tens of thousands of like-minded individuals who did the same thing. They weren't as famous. Maybe they didn't they had never been caught holding a Molotov cocktail in their hand, but they were still revolutionaries bent on uh, upending this country, if not destroying it. And they've been doing their work for the last 40 or 50 years. And presto, it has succeeded on most fronts now. And so we saw that in full flower on Saturday on the mall and elsewhere around the country with the march of, uh, I think it actually was millions because there were very, very large crowds in most of the major cities. And I think supposedly 200 cities total uh, towns and cities had events going. So there were a lot of people who took to the streets. Now you look at our side of the argument and it, it seems like we conservatives, traditionalists, constitutionalists can't mobilize anyone to take to the streets. And of course it's understandable. We have lives. We're employed. We have families. We're working. We're not on the dole. We can't just take off and, and, and plus we don't have an international globalist uh, uh, multimillionaires funding our efforts. As been pointed out, the events on Saturday were very professionally organized and managed, right down to the signs, many of the signs that the demonstrators were carrying. But I've been in D.C. in the past when a half a million people have gathered there for a demonstration. And that city completely shuts down on that day. When you suddenly drop a half a million folks or however many, a huge crowd of that number, in, at one spot in downtown Washington, it paralyzes the entire city. The public transportation basically stops because it can't keep up with that number. So it means that those folks there on Saturday had to be transported around by other means, probably uh, private buses or whatever, but they had a lot of help in getting there, the sophisticated audiovisual setup, uh, the speakers, the speakers who, who were, were denied speaking rights there. There's a story of one of the students from the Florida high school who was, of course, not invited because he doesn't um, buy the left-wing line, hook, line, and sinker. So, it was part of the long march. The long march was a term that Chairman Mao used to take over Red China. And that long march to take over an entire country of a billion people began with a single step. Well, a similar number of single steps began in this country in the 1960s. And here's uh, a much later point of it now we see all around us. So... You know, we have our work cut out for us, and uh, I don't know where it goes from here, but, I, you know, I, I want to point this out, too, just more or less in passing, because I don't want to make a big deal out of it, but uh, it, it's been we mentioned... we three minutes, you, Peter. Just okay, you, you guys have been covering, and others have as well in the new media, 
how these algorithms of social media and the giants like Google et al. are being used against people of a conservative bent now. We're either being outright censored, suppressed, shadow banned, whatever. And I started to notice in my little old Twitter account of starting about three or four weeks ago that suddenly it was behaving very, very differently than it had for the previous six months since I started it. When I started it in August up until probably mid-February, it was on a slow but consistent growth vector. And other things about it, too, which I don't have time to go into, and again, I don't want to make a big deal about this and get on a soapbox and scream that I'm being suppressed, but it is food for thought when you start to notice subtly at first uh, minor and then major differences in how your social media is going forward or not going forward, as the case may be. So uh, I again invite anyone within the sound of our voice to please visit my Twitter, twitter.com slash pchowka, P-C-H-O-W-K-A. If you're on Twitter, if you have a Twitter account, please consider uh, following me or retweeting or liking me. You don't have to follow me to like or retweet a tweet that you might see there. And you can also message me and I will get it as a direct message request, and I will reply. And I'm curious because several people uh, emailed or messaged me and said, oh, I retweeted that tweet of yours, and yet it wasn't, this retweet was not showing up on my list, on my original tweets. So uh, there's something going on here. Don't know what exactly it is, but it's... It's nothing, uh, Peter. No, censorship... <laughs> And manipulation on the Internet is like chemtrails in the sky. It's not real. It doesn't happen. Good analogy. Good no, analogy. Funny. So it's, uh, be aware. Yeah. Be alert. I mean, everybody with a social media account should really be paying very close attention now and communicating what they are finding, what they are seeing, what they are experiencing. And, again, I would invite anyone who's on Twitter to please feel free to engage me about this because I'm trying to figure out what's going on here and if people can even still communicate with me to, by direct message anymore because that number has really fallen off drastically and uh, I'd like to know what's going on well as always Peter what a crowd pleaser thank you so much for your in-depth analysis on on everything and and uh, of course wrapping up with the uh, the obvious stifling the gagging of the conservative voices and we're not going to be stopped. You know, we are going to continue forward. And uh, it's people like you, you and people like you, that make the difference. And thank you for, for everything you do. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, Joe. There's no alternative. Keep the faith. Amen to that, brother. All right. Uh, we're back live on video, of course, as you see. And uh, we will be that way now for the foreseeable future. Hardened up on our end. A lot of technical advancements by Eric the Tech. And I want to thank him and, of course, John Robertson, Joe, and, and everyone here. Thank you so much for listening, tuning in, viewing. Spread the news about this broadcast and subscribe on BTR. Subscribe on YouTube. Tell mm-hmm. others about the program. And, William, we got your email. We will take $20 from John's card and donate it to Laura Loomer also. So thank you for that. His, now, his card's going to be taken and beaten. Have a great night, everyone. We'll be back tomorrow.